Blank check with Griffin and David. Blank check with Griffin and David. Don't know what to say or to expect. All you need to know is that the name of the show is Blank Check. Two little mice fell in the bucket of cream. First mouse quickly gave up and drowned. <laughs> the second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he churned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second podcast. Oh no! <laughs> that was okay. So that, I will say that was the that single was like worst a ski impression jumper, I ever and it's going fine, and then you just like die. I also I feel on landing. I feel like I was throwing a lot of Woody Allen in there. Here and there. Here and I feel there. like I was doing. Like, Doesn't matter. Walking's always funny, yeah. good or bad. Yeah. Um. Podcast. Yeah. Pow. Pow. Uh, I just uh, shit my pants. I'm Woody Allen, director of yeah, Manhattan. I, guess I didn't think about that. It's it's a hop and a skip from Woody Allen. It like sped up. Walk it's in. like this is right, that's right. you know. Yeah, but it's right, different. But it's it's different. Of, yeah. Hey, let's get a uh, Kevin Pollock in here, right? Yeah, right. Um, let's get this. Make this a Kevin Pollock show crossover. Yeah, is that what it's called? I don't know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, I am uh, Kevin Pollock Ch- Chat Show. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I am America's uh, second favorite diminutive impressionist, Griffin Newman. <laughs> and I'm Sam Levine. <laughs> no, I'm David Sims. The Sam Levine of our hearts and minds. You think, I, yeah, I guess you'd be the Pollock and I'd be the Levine. I don't know. No, I'm saying, I, I'd say you're the Sam Levine of, of the New York film critic community. I agree. Totally. Okay. 100%. Uh, Griffin Newman, David Sims. This podcast is called Blank Check with Griffin <laughs> and David. Yep. Uh, we are hashtag the two friends. Yep. That's us, two friends, hosting this show. And the show is called Blank Check, and this is what it's about. Filmography. Sure. Directors who have massive success early on and are given a series of blank checks to make whatever crazy projects they want. Sometimes those checks clear, and sometimes those checks bounce a baby. (laughs) The last word is what you struggle with. It's getting really bad. You don't know what to do on the last word. You're like, do I go in on this, or do I, yeah. Anyway. Um. Wow. Wow. Uh, I can't. I can't I've never really bothered with a yeah. walking impression because it feels like I don't know. It's like climbing Everest. Like it's hard. A lot of people yes. have done it, and once you do it, it's sort of like, well, here's know, a here's a thing that just been here before. Right. <laughs> here's the thing that just hit me. I don't think I've done it in five years. Sure. And I feel like five years ago, I had a workmanlike walking. Uh. Sure. Right. You. You're saying like you had you you put in your time and. You'd carved out an okay It wasn't anything walk. great, but it was functional. Mm-hmm. And it turns out that doing a Christopher Walk impression is not like riding a bicycle. It doesn't come back to you quickly. Well, even after you uh, watch old Chrissy, Chrissy W? Yeah, I was just, I, I wasn't studying. You know what I'm saying? I was yeah, just no, buying I in. I get you. Uh, we're, we're covering uh, what I would refer to as a Christopher Walken vehicle today, right? This is sort of a, a one-hander. It was kind of a secret Chris Walken vehicle. Yeah. Like, honestly, right? It ended it up It actually being, revived his career. Yes, yeah. 100%. Um, but yeah. Uh, secret Chris Walken vehicle. Say it in his voice. Uh, this is the titular episode of our miniseries. A miniseries about That's right. Steven Spielberg, The DreamWorks Years, mm-hmm. his run of films financed by a movie studio that he founded. The biggest blank check in history. Blank check. He's got the Oscars. He's got nothing to prove anymore. Yeah. And now he's just making whatever the fuck he wants. True. And this is the titular uh, movie. It's uh-huh. called Catch Me If You Can. 
Okay. Was he stabbed when he said that? Was he I, dying? I'm struggling. I'm trying to find a it sounded handle. Sounded like here. blood was like leaking out I'm of his body. I'm reaching on the side of the ship for any fi- kind of tactile thing to hold on to and pulling back up to land. Yeah. Uh, maybe it's more. No, whisper isn't that. Catch key. me if you can. Catch this me is if you can. Pod, Pod me if, if you cast. cast. Yes, and that's where we are today as a society. The year is Deuce Double O Deuce. Uh, the the year of this film, yes, fifteen years ago, yes, because it's now twenty seventeen, yes, when we're recording this. I'm trying to take the viewer back to a simpler time, though. Two thousand two, it was kind of a complicated time. The year is Deuce <laughs> Double O Deuce. Oof. America still had nine eleven fever. <laughs> People couldn't stop talking about that horrible tragedy. Oh dear! But don't get too comfortable because more tragedies are coming. Sure. Talk about Deuce. We got two wars going on, right? Okay. And Spielberg is going to uh, enter a period of films that are all very, very affected and haunted. I would say he's already entered it with Minority Report, uh, Minority Report, but this is not that. But, I mean, I know what you're saying, that the next three films, two or three films he's going to make are very obviously affected by the times they're in. The question with Minority Report is always how... No, he does make the terminal in between there, though. The question (laughs) with Minority Report is how... Um, I know conscious, we we talked about but it, but whatever, right, whatever, right, whatever. Because right. it's sort of it's one of those things where it ends up being very relevant, even if it was maybe not made with right current issues in mind. <laughs> but of course, it was. You know, this was viewed at the time as a light Spielberg. As well. oh, it's a it's a it's a romp. It's a frolic. It was a romp. Uh, it was a caper. Sure, caper movie and uh, released Christmas Day, uh-huh. so it had like a holiday movie vibe. It, it's sort of vaguely a Christmas movie. I'd say pretty directly a Christmas movie. Yeah, well, sort they of didn't sell it that way in the advertising because I think it's like the saddest Christmas movie ever. It's made. a pretty sad Christmas. Its movie. take on it, Christmas it's is a, pretty dire. It's a wonderful movie. One number one, it's a wonderful movie. Agreed. Number two, it's a one like I agree with you, a wonderfully melancholy movie that sort of like dresses everything up sort of sweetly, but like you know, you only have to think about it for a second to be like, ooh. Right. This is a little grim. Number three, it's like a even before life. he starts doing yeah. all his shit. Number three, it's a wonderful right. life. Yes, thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I think the whole movie's pretty haunted, uh, but in a, in a not in like a severe way, you know, in a nice way, in a good way. I got some hot takes. I'm gonna throw out. Okay. We'll build up to them. Um, but uh, you yeah, and your hot takes. I think I think this is a a great fucking movie and a movie I hadn't seen since its release. I have weirdly seen this movie like half a dozen times. I feel like. It's on TV a lot or something. I don't know. Yeah. I don't even know why, but I've just seen it a lot. I like immediately like with Joanne, I was just like, ooh, ooh, like this shot coming up is really good. Like I just sort of like knew a lot of the visual language of the movie well. I don't know. Uh, I'm not trying to brag, but Lovely I, movie. I haven't had cable in like six years. So <laughs> I I rarely like have that kind of like, oh, you don't it's on have TV. The, it's watch on it. cable. It's always, I, I was an early cord cutter. And so it's always deliberate rewatches for me. And for whatever reason, it was never a movie I was driven to rewatch. And, uh, was very affected by the second viewing. I mean, the movie grew greatly in my eyes, and I feel like it's a movie I'm now going to watch uh, a lot, many years to come, over and over again. Um, I Because I think it's, uh, well, we'll get to larger thoughts, but I, I think it's a very strong movie that was weirdly, like, very well-liked. It was uh, well-liked. It was a financial success. did incredibly well. Totally. And I feel is still incredibly underrated. It is somewhat underrated, par- partly because it came in this crush of... Uh, Spielberg movies. Yes. Uh, partly because it was this weird, like, you know, 
Leo had been gone. Yeah. Basically. I mean, he made the beat, right? Is there anything else? Beaches 2000? Beaches 2000. That's it. I mean, Man in the Iron Mask and Celebrity, but like those are pre-Titanic that came out post But let's just, you know, I mean, like DiCaprio, sitcom star, child actor, right? Oscar nomination. Okay, then Breakout, Gilbert Grape, who the fuck is this guy? Then the sort of tortured young man roles. Basketball Diaries. Basketball Diaries. And and the, whatchamacallit? um, Marvin's Room. Uh yeah, uh, and, uh, boys this, life. This boys life, yeah. right? And uh, and then uh, right, Romeo and Juliet like makes him a bit of a heartthrob. Titanic is like the biggest pop any movie star's experience in the last twenty five years. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so now he's too big. He's bigger than any actor has been. Right. So he freaks out. You know, takes it easy. Retreats. Man, the Iron Mask was already in the can. Forget that. That's you released. Know, celebrities a cameo. Right. And the, was also already in the can. The, Doesn't make a movie. He's got all this. Well, he power. makes the beach. Right, right. But I'm saying it takes a couple of years. He's off the screens. Everyone, where the fuck is Leo? Right. Goes to Danball, picks up this weird novel, makes it. Everyone's like, look, looks weird, but Leo mania, right? There's no way this thing doesn't work. And guess what? Big old belly flop. Total bomb, you know, financially and critically. Right. Some people speak up for that movie. I've always found it to be a troublesome movie. I've uh, never seen it. I know Boyle kind of disowns it, right? Not disowns he it, but it's disown like it. It He just work. had a hard time making it, yeah. and he felt really bad that it ruined his relationship with Ewan McGregor, who was kind of his, you know, right. his guy. Right, you know? which was not uh, Le- rekindled was supposed to be until the star. right now. Right, 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 right. right. But anyway, uh, we... Danny Boyle is such an interesting director. We'll uh, cover him at some point. Yeah. I mean, we've had people even recently prodding us yeah. about our sunshine take because oh, you and I are two of America's great. preeminent sunshine so defenders. Uh, Sunshine's a masterpiece. Anyway, um, so, but then it's like, okay, Leo, huh? Like, Beach was bad, huh? Like, uh, what, what Pussy Posse, mm, you know? Well, and I feel like the big thing was, right, at this the, point The big was thing like, was, is Leo never going to be in, in a good movie ever? Like, is, was Titanic it? Was this some sort of weird fanatical thing? And like maybe we it was all overblown, right? Like maybe Leo's a bad actor. Well, and and also the thing of like, what the fuck happened? Him? Like, did he freak out? You know, I think he did. I mean, but but some people don't come back from that. Like, right, there, absolutely, there are people who are like big early movie stars, right? Like uh 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 Elliot Gould, who I always think is a very interesting case example. Mm. Was like right place, right time. Jesus, not you're talking about Elliot. Not Gould. the same as DiCaprio, right? But yeah, like, no. was the right guy for the right time and came to represent a certain sensibility in the '70s and like blew up really big. Yeah, and very publicly, like, kind of got overwhelmed by everything and stepped away, and was like off screens for a long time. And when he came back, it was like now he's sort of a character. Actor. Yeah, now he's like a middle aged guy. Right, like the leading man thing. He had no, his yeah, moment. Sure. And he he walked he, away from. He it. made some some good movies. Oh, he's made some great movies. He's one of my favorite actors of all time. Yeah, yeah. But it was like, is DiCaprio going to actively avoid this? Right? So to finish my sentence, yes, it was. It came out. Actually, I should look it up. Like a month after, not or not even th- a like month. a week after. It came out five days after Gangs of New York came out. Because I believe they were supposed to both come out the same day. Sure. And there was a thing where one of them was like, "I'll move five days right. over." I don't remember which one. I think. I think it was Gangs. I think Gangs I think moved up Cash five days early. Going to be a Christmas movie to be yeah. like. Okay, let's not cannibalize each other. So gangs had come out, and everyone was just jerking their dicks about gangs because it was like, oh, it's not good, or oh, it's not, you know, like, you right. know, the hype had been, because gangs had been supposed to come out a year earlier yes. and had been held over for, you know, cuts and fights with Weinstein, and, you know, it was such a complicated, tortured process. So everyone's all worked up about gangs. Catch Me If You Can comes out, everyone's like, you know, Leo's pretty good in this. Uh, anyway, you know, like it, it felt like everyone was like, eh, anyway, let's get back to fighting about gangs in New York, right? And there are a couple really interesting factors to that. Right? Yeah. One is this movie 
did almost twice the box office of Gangs of New York. Oh, this movie was a huge hit. Obviously, it was like a PG-13 right. with Tom Hanks and Steven Spielberg. So, you know, it was right. it was better position. But, but yeah, like, Gangs was seen than as Gangs a of New York. relative flop. Yeah, right. it cost I, twice as Right. It cost fifty million to right. Gangs it cost of New half as much as Gangs of New York and made twice as much. Hey, yeah. hey, guys. Oh, uh, yes, producer Ben, aka uh, the Benducer, aka producer Ben, aka the Poet Laureate, aka the Meat Lover, aka the Fart Detective, aka the Tiebreaker, aka our oh, finest God. film critic, aka Birthday Benny, aka Dirt Bike Benny, aka White Hot Benny, aka Soaking Wet Benny. Oh my God, what? Ben. aka uh, the Fuckmaster, aka what is keeper. it, Ben? Uh, so hello, final by the way. Oh yeah. Always wish graduate me a hello, Fennel. Graduates guys. a certain tells over the course of different miniseries, such as Kylo Ben, producer Ben Kenobi, Ben Say, Ben Night Shyamalan, <laughs> uh, Say Benny Thing, and uh, Ailey Benz, uh, with a dollar sign at the end. Yes, Ben? Uh, fun fact about Gangs of New York, Dan Lewis, he was training to be a shoemaker. <laughs> you you burst in here to give us an IMDB fact? <laughs> Also, you, you call him asshole. That's off the top of the dome. You call him Dan Lewis. <laughs> Nobody calls him Dan Lewis. Who is it, your fucking his accountant? Name, you call him Dan Lewis. His name is Day Lewis. His yeah. last name. His last no, name is no, Day no, Lewis. No. Listen, he—that's a middle name. You don't have to say that's that. That's not a middle it's name. Not, it's a hyphenated. It's a hyphenated. Name. Oh, it's hyphened. Would you well, call? Would you I call g- her Jules Dreyfus? <laughs> sure. Why I not? call her. I call her Julie Dreyfus. Julie Louis. We call her Jimmy <laughs> Jones. Jimmy Jones as the voice of Darth Vader. I just called her Julie Louis. Jesus Christ. Uh, yep. Do you want me to cut that out? No, keep it in. But, double uh, it. Uh, yeah, double it. Uh, <laughs> sure. Oh, but layer it over so it's like yes. you're booming. Yeah. But uh, to answer your question, David, yeah, yeah I did. <laughs> Look that up on IMDb, you piece of shit. No, I knew yes, that. I read it in Rolling Yes, he was trained to be a cobbler. Yeah. He was trained to be a cobbler in Italy. I just can't get over <sighs> Dan Lewis. Dan Lewis. Dan Lewis. He's brother of uh, Dan Brown. What am I talking yeah. about? Crazy fact about uh, Dan Lewis. Uh, never made Lloyd night. Never on a Lloyd. Two people. Okay. Two people like that. Ben is one of them. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And one of our listeners. <laughs> I forget which one. Yeah. Um. Catch. Catch if can. Uh, cost half as much. Twi- makes twice as much. Big right. Hit. Every. But I think everyone was just like, yeah, sure, whatever. I don't know. It's fun. Like it was like, huh? Yeah, it's it, fun. It was viewed as like a populist thing, the, right? The only thing anyone fucking said about this movie was the score is good, which it is. It got two nominations only? Best score and best supporting actor right, for those Christopher were the Walken. Two and Walken was not even seen as like a guarantee. He snuck in. He didn't get a Globe nom. Like it was sort of won like- Won the SAG. Yeah, he won the SAG. Great. So then people were like, is he going to win? Is this a career He capper? was never going to win. No, Chris Cooper had that year yeah. locked up. Which is funny now that you think about it because- it's such a wonderful performance, but it's, it's, it doesn't like it's, scream Oscar. No, it doesn't. And he certainly wasn't a super recognizable actor at that point. He'd kind of been no, a journeyman. I mean, he'd been around. You he'd know. been around, but he was such a sort of chameleon. I know. That it wasn't like we'd been waiting to give him an Oscar. It, it was just one of those things where everyone had just decided. It's so funny the way the Oscars work, where yeah. it's like everyone in these, and you go to these like industry parties, yeah. and it's like everyone's just like, oh, well, you know, Chris is going to win that. And it's like, oh, yeah. I guess we all just... We all just made that decision, like, you know, unconscious. I just remember seeing that movie and being like, this is totally my kind of performance. And then when he won the Oscar, I was like, I'm surprised they agree with me because I usually like weird performances. The reason he won is that Walken already had an Oscar. You know, if Walken didn't yeah. already have an Oscar, then I think there would have been like, oh, my God. This would have like, been his untouchables. Yeah, yeah, like, right. Let's, yeah. But Walken won an Oscar for The Deer Hunter a zillion years ago. Yeah. So, you know, the only other, I mean, Paul Newman, who is incredible in Road to Perdition, but right. he had an Oscar. John C. Uh, Riley was that? Yeah. John C. Riley, which was a, you know, a, a, 
a sort of pat on the head, right? Well, that was his most supporting actor year where he was in I know. three of the I know. five I know. Best Picture nominees. And uh, and then Ed Harris, who in the hours, like, would that would have been his year to win, but the hours, I mean, say what you will about the hours, he's not very good in it. Like, it's a very over-the-top, stupid performance. I remember being good in it, but I also haven't seen it since it Terrible came out. performance. I remember and, like, jumping I, out the window. Spoiler alert for the hours. I mean, that's mostly what he does. Ed Harris jumps out a window. Always I, throwing I parties the, to cover the silence. I remember the whole movie, him just sitting in that little nook by the window. That's what he does. Right? Yeah, and look, I know people out there love the hours, and uh, I have By people we mean Joe Reed. <laughs> yeah. And, of the show, and other Reed. fans of the show, I'm sure, like the hours, and I have complicated feelings about the hours, but I think that unequivocally, Ed Harris, who is one of my favorite actors, is god-awful in the Stephen Daldry's film, The Hours. You would have given him the Oscar for Truman, right? I would have given him the Oscar for Apollo 13, my oh, friend. Right. right. Well, Maybe my for friend. Truman. Maybe for Truman. He's great in Truman. I feel I'd like have I'd to heard look you at, make look the Truman the argument, but he's Apollo so good 13. In Truman. Yeah, he's so good in Truman. Um, anyhow. We're done. Yeah, we're done. Um, what's interesting is that, yeah, like, the Gangs of New York was such a hyped up thing. Here's how hyped up Gangs of New York oh was, okay? Well, it, again, to, to be clear, it was literally supposed to come out the December before and was held over. So it was a year of people being like, like, Gangs, gangs, gangs. And Scorsese hadn't won his Oscar yet, so everyone was like, will this, this be the it. one, you know? Because he had done a lot of weird movies leading up to that. He, he'd done his weird, like, Kundun, Bringing Out the Dead. Uh, is there another one in there? Uh, uh, there's another late 90s uh, Scorsese I'm forgetting. Uh, Kundun, Bringing Out the Dead. I mean, Cape Fear was, like, 92, 94, right? Not that. But, but that's also, like, a departure. That's, like, not going to be an Oscar Scorsese movie. Well, no, because there's Age of, the Innocence. Age of Innocence. But there's right. Casino in there. Too, casino but. in there, yeah. No, um, it's Kundun... Bring Out the Dead's 99? Uh, yeah, can you Bring Out the Dead, Gangs of New York. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. Um, Before they did a casino. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, the, the thing is that he, I believe, right after Taxi Driver, mm-hmm. took out an ad in Variety announcing right. that his next He'd film was going to be Gangs of New York. He always wanted to make this movie based on this great book that you should all read. So in addition to the film being pushed back a year from its release, it was right. like he'd was- been... Calling the shot since like fucking 1975. Yeah, it was kind of like silence where it was everyone knew he'd, oh, it was a passion of his. But it was also like Napoleon, like Kubrick's Napoleon, where it's like, is he ever going to do it? And he made it on, look, one day we'll, look, Gangs of New York is a better movie than Catch Me If You Can and is one of the greatest movies of the 2000s. Disagree with that. Yeah, you're totally wrong. Great, great movie. One of Scorsese's best movies. Totally underrated. Love that movie. But, you know, it it was kind of like, like it needed a while. It needed a while to really. Get its sillies out. I like certain things about that movie and have problems with others. It's a fantastic movie. Another big thing about that movie is that uh, Ben's close personal friend, Dan Lewis, had like retired <laughs> from acting to make his Wait, shoes. Was he? What was he doing in Italy? Oh, make he it. was a cobbler. <laughs> Fucking bullshit. But that was yeah, his of first course, movie much in like hyped three ever years. since The Boxer, now like five years. And, and people weren't sure if he was ever going to come back. He's good. So it was like that. It's like, oh, the guy's returned. This is Leo's big Titanic follow up. He's the new guy. So that movie comes out. Leo's not terrific in games. I agree. I think that's a problem with that movie. Yeah, he's. I don't think it's a real movie, but he's okay. Yeah. He hadn't. It's a it's a performance where he's not playing an interesting character, and he's totally overshadowed by everyone else. And it feels a and little bit like a school play performance. It feels like a kid playing dress up. A it, little. It feels like probably what it was, which was him learning to be a grown up actor and trying really hard to prove that he was a grown up actor. His performance in Catch Me If You Can, on the other hand, is wonderful, but it is more, he's playing a teenager, so it is, it's more of a boyish Leo. Uh, hot take from this rewatch, I think arguably his best performance ever. Oh, no, no, he, he lost it. And we know his best performance. We said it. We said the, the lines on the Titanic episode. We said it together. 
We said the line we said from the, the line, the key line. Well, it's from your his best favorite performance. performance. One, two, three. We, <laughs> we are, are duly appointed, appointed federal marshals. marshals. I know you think that's his best. That's performance. his best. I think his best performance is this. Yeah. What um, do you think it was before you saw Catch Me If You Can last night? Uh, before that, I I probably would say Wolf of Wall Street, which probably speaks so to what that. I like out of the ca- Caps. He's so good in that. I like when he's not putting a clamp on the charisma. Me too. Feels like his head is getting really big. So big, right? He's got Isn't a big head. He's got a big. Head. I went on a rabbit hole last night. He's uh, an odd-looking man. Like even for a guy who's that good-looking, he's w- really weird-looking. Odd-looking. He's odd weirdly looking. good-looking. Yeah, he is. He's um, a funny-looking guy. I went on a rabbit hole last night of watching DiCaprio trailers after Catch Me If You Can, and it, it is interesting how his head seems to grow larger and larger. Got a big head. Uh, but all great movie stars do. I guess so. I've never, is he tall? I've never seen him in person. I think barely. Uh huh. You know what I've heard? Amazing skin. People sure. have been on planes with him. Like I've, I know a couple of people have like seen him in person, and they all just go like, "Skin was pretty." He's incredible. on some vegan diet, isn't he? He's six yeah. feet tall. Yeah, six feet tall. Look at that. Tall guy. Yeah, and and uh, the crazy thing is, tall. three feet of that is head. Mm. Um, <laughs> did you like my reaction to that? No. Mm. <laughs> uh, to the listener at home, David's face was non-plused. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, it is crazy for Leo. Like after this. He doesn't make a movie for two years, and it's The Aviator right. with Scorsese. Right. He doesn't make a movie for two more years, and it's The Departed with right. Scorsese. And then he does Blood Diamond that same year. He, he's kind of entering like a Warren Beatty of phase. Lies. Like, after that, he finally is like, okay, let me. But, okay, but, but the Warren Beatty phase is, I'll take years off between movies. I don't care. I, my star power is large enough that I don't feel the need to be out there every year, right? And it's very strategic moves working with big Directors, like sure. he only works with big directors from this point out, right? Big directors, big, big, big directors. Like yeah, no, he works Woody with Allen uh, and uh, Christopher Walken the, and uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. The biggest directors, yeah. Ridley Scott, yes, Christopher Nolan, correct, Edswick. <laughs> <laughs> you were ready. We've we apart from his wiki pants. Who everyone, Zwick will talk any movie star into anything. That's the crazy thing. All these movie stars whiff with Zwick. Ed, Ed Zwick's like, like, have I got the role for you? Yeah. How do you feel about pharmaceutical sales reps <laughs> who fuck people? Young, dumb, and full of cum. That's the Zwick pitch. It's weird that all these movie stars always get fucking bamboozled by Zwick. They do. They get roped in by the Zwick. Char- have you ever seen him? He's a charming guy. He's yeah. nice. Yeah. Thirty something. Yeah, thirty something. I was gonna say the same thing. Yeah. Thirty something though. Um. But yeah, Clint Eastwood, Quentin Tarantino, Baz Luhrmann, like he works with very, very uh, right. b- big uh, established yes. directors. And uh, Catch Me If You Can was, uh, you know, based Fisher on true story. Fisher Stevens. What was the Fisher Stevens? <laughs> he made like a documentary oh, about, right. the, you know, flooding eco, or whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Leo narrates. But he's working with canonical American directors, save for Zoe, mm. right? The, the people that one might dub right. like the modern masters, the preeminent American filmmaker. I would dub Zwick a modern master. <laughs> Never go back, though. He hasn't worked with Spielberg again, however. But he did. He got his Spielberg collab. He got, his, he got that the Spielberg on his bingo card, it's right? It's funny that they've never worked t- together again. Have they ever? Has that ever flo- been floated? Uh, Leo that's a good Spiele? question. Leo Steven Stilevo? Oh, boy. That's a good question. I'm sorry he hasn't done the Coen Brothers movie either yet. It feels like they're a major missing one on his. That's true, board. and actually, I could see them getting a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, he hasn't been funny since this Wolf movie. Oh no, right, he's funny. Those Wolf are the two where he's funny. Um, and he's so funny in that the uh, you know the Quaaludes. Yeah, yes. scene. Um, 
He's kind of funny in Django Unchained. Like that is a that is a heightened performance. I mean, I'm not laughing. He's exactly. villain funny. Exactly. It's, Where it's like it's, uncomfortable funny. It's a cartoonish performance. Right. And I mean, Revenant was a, obviously laugh a minute. Yeah, well, it's a jackass movie. Kind of is. When is Revenant 2.5 going to come out? <laughs> Dirty Grandpa Revenants. Yeah, Dirty Revenant. This time it's even colder. Yeah. They could have called that movie Dirty Trapper. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Dirty Trapper. He's dirty. Everyone in that movie's dirty. It's a dirty, dumb yeah. movie. It's a dumb, beautifully shot jackass film. Yeah. And I'll never stop saying this. Sure. Um, but my point is yeah. uh, DreamWorks. You know, early days. That's your point is DreamWorks? My point is DreamWorks. Thank you very much, everybody. And as always, DreamWorks. Are we done with the miniseries, yes. I guess? Okay, We're done. Great. Put a bow on it, baby. Uh, David, you told me recently that you're running into problems. Uh, saying you, baby to people. You're saying it too much. Well, when Joanna Robinson, who was last week's episode, yeah. when she was, did I tell you this? You did tell me Okay, this. when she was uh, she was here and she'd arrived at the UCB and uh, I guess I came into our recording studio yeah. and she was outside. And, uh, you know, I've met Joanna like, Twice, basically, uh-huh. because like we live on opposite coasts, like we know mostly each other, online friends. Exactly, right. like I had only met Joanna maybe once or twice before this time. Things are different in text than they are in yeah, person. Yeah, and right. she's like, uh, "Oh, do we record in there?" And I'm like, "Yeah, come on in, baby." And I was like, "What? I can't say that to a person." Yeah, well, it's weird. But the way you told come on it to in, me, baby, <laughs> that's the thing. I think you didn't deliver it correctly. Sure. Come you, on in, baby. You said you right. right, that, right. You told me that you said it I like might, that. I think I did say it like that. I don't think I gave it the Griffin, you know, curve. That's my argument. You got to give it the curve. You got to give it the baby. Baby. Good job on the best of. Uh, oh band, yeah, which Thank just you. dropped saying baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I also have been doing it too, David. But I try to incorporate it more, like where it's going to feel like special. Yeah, you, you want to make them count. Want to put a little Ooh. bacon on that sandwich, but not every time. Baby, so, uh, what I was gonna say is catch if can. DreamWorks, 1997. <laughs> Jesus Christ. There's a really clear point I'm trying to get to here. Okay, 97. Spielberg's fucking like buying up shit, right? And much like Amistad, this was a movie where like oh you're saying right he bought this, the, this the was rights pitched to them and they were right. like this is a perfect DreamWorks project and then revolving door of directors. You want to know some of the names? I know Gore Verbinski came sure. very close to doing it. Fincher. Dropped out late. Fincher. Fincher was on for a while. They threw it to Cameron Crowe. He was batting it around threw for it a little Crow, bit. Threw it to Crowe, who, you know, you, you know, it makes sense. On paper is a good fit for this. Yes. Lassie Hallstrom, who, you know, he'll do any right. bullshit. And Milos Forman, which yes. is the most interesting. Right. Because Milos Forman, at that point, was in his, like, I'm back. And it's all biopics, yeah. you know. Larry Flint, let's do Man it. Man on the moon, yeah. Fucking Andy Kaufman, let's do it. Frank Abagnale, like the biopic trilogy. How, how weird is it that Milos Forman directed an Andy Kaufman movie? It's really we don't talk odd. about how and, and weird it's that is. Good, it's a good movie. Yeah, yeah. It actually, I think, holds it better now than it. Like at the time, I think it was crushed by weird expectations of how it would function. And then yeah, I, I think you're right. There's a big budget Andy Kaufman movie. Like that's really I weird. I think it's a good itself. movie. I, I do too. found it very moving when I last saw it, which is probably uh, like ten years ago. I Giamatti mean, rules. Giamatti's great in that. Devito's Devito's oh, like DeVito's quietly so terrific in that yeah. movie. Devito, man, you give him like a semi-serious role, he'll he'll eat yeah, it. Yeah, like the Penguin. He's so good at a somber, sparse performance. Man, Devito and Heist. Yeah, Mammoth Heist. Yeah. Ugh. DeVito hasn't done a good dramatic supporting role in a while. Yeah, because now he's, I mean, I he's was at the meme. Gotham Awards. He's and the he, Lorax now. He can't go back from that. literally out of his fucking mind. 
he just he got up at the Gotham's podium. He was introducing. They were giving a, a special award to this indie producer who mm. I think he's worked with because Dorito also great indie producer. Jersey Films. He yeah, produced uh, a fucking Pulp fucking Fiction. Pulp Fiction. Um, he got up and he just went, "Holy shit balls! Holy shit balls!" He did that for five minutes. It felt like five minutes. And then he spoke for the truffle trees. <laughs> <laughs> kicked Tovis Felcha in the behind. Uh, can you tell me the only other movie Milos Forman's made since Man on the Moon? Goya's Ghost? Yeah. What the fuck, man? Good pull, though, right? It's a very good pull. Can I just pat myself on the back quickly? On the pulling Goya's Ghost? No, I did the greatest pull of all time before we recorded. Oh, go ahead. You were asking me what the last time there was a live action thing with a CGI mouth baby. Yeah. And I reminded you that there was a sitcom in the early 2000s called Baby Bob that was based off a commercial series for, for Quiznos. Quiznos. You didn't know that part. I didn't. I, I thought it was like a fucking dot startup. startup. But I named all was... four regular cast you members. Did. Can you do it again? Yes. The four regular cast. I don't know who was the voice of the baby. It was some nobody. The four regular cast members on Baby Bob, the <laughs> CBS sitcom that lasted 14 episodes over two seasons, uh-huh. were Jolie Fisher and Adam Arkin as the parents. True. And Holland Taylor and Academy Award nominee Elliot Gould as the grandparents. Correct. Do you want to take a sip there? Yep. A lot of uh, famous, you know, Jolie Fisher. Pow. Famous uh, Hollywood children in that movie. My pants. Yeah, that's true. Jolie Fisher and Adam, uh, Adam Arkin. Uh, Holland Taylor. Holland. <laughs> Who's her parent? Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Um, <laughs> oh, dear. The point I'm trying to make is DreamWorks. And in 1997. <laughs> I hate you. In 1997, buying spree, attaching yeah, all these directors, the right. right? And then Spielberg has much like Amistad, like, oh, maybe I'll direct it. And I think it came together pretty quickly. That's, I think that's how he, especially back then, but I think even now, that's how he's working, where he's like, oh, God, what should I do? What should yeah. I do? And then he sees something and he has some angle on how it's going to work. Yeah. And six months later, it's like he's done with the movie. Like, it happens really, really rapidly. Yeah, he's always got like ten movies percolating, and it's I mean, always the like the advantage of Spielberg is when he says he wants to do a movie, right. the movie's happening. Like you get the actors on board immediately. Like you know, anyone will do it. But it feels like at any given time there are like five things he's had the rights to for a while. That it's like I don't know he might make this now, and then there are a couple things that are just sort of flyers where it's like, oh, Bradley Cooper wants to do American Sniper, Spielberg's on it, and then he like leaves after two months. So there's right. a lot of that of him yeah. like loosely attached, and then he leaves a project, sure. right? Like. I mean, he almost directed Juno. There are all these weird examples of like scripts that he was early things, on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, but I think it's interesting that it took him this long to attach to the movie because um, it feels to me like the most autobiographical Spielberg movie. This one? Well, it kind of feels like the ear text to me. Okay. Even more just, so I than E.T., which I people always say, point to. He's made a lot of movies about divorce. Yeah. But yes, I know what you mean. More to me, it's like it's him returning to territory he had for years been ignoring. Yes. Which was essentially the 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 troubled lives of children from broken homes, right? In some fractured form, right? But from a very different angle and a very different style. I agree. I would argue. Yeah. Um, I mean, but then he does it again not long after with War of the Worlds, except it's like, what if my childhood but 9-11? Mm. And War of the Worlds is from the parents' perspective. It is. It is. Um. But uh, interestingly, War of the Worlds is almost from Dakota Fanning's perspective. It's sort of anyway. Interesting. We'll get to it. Um, interesting to me is that DiCaprio was always attached. Like mm-hmm. you know, it was very nearly Gandolfini playing. Yeah, playing you know, a handwriting. Right. It was very nearly Ed Harris playing the yeah, walk-in the, role. The dad. Yeah. Right. Um, Bowie Savini was cast as Brenda as a uh, Amy, Amy Adams, Adams role. Yeah. 
Um, and like different directors had different castings, but it was like always DiCaprio. And this was before he locked in, like, I'm only working with heavy hitters and Zoic, you know? Because it's like, I love Verbinski, but he hadn't done that much at this point, you know? Just Spielberg dropped Big Fish and Memoirs of a Geisha to right. make this movie. Right. Yeah. Which is fascinating because Big Fish was when he had his mitts on for a long time, really wants to do. And same with Geisha. And then he uh, drops both. Um, but, uh, yeah, it becomes a Spielberg film late. Verbinski dropped out because Gangs of New York ran over and they, like, the schedule didn't fucking line up. Mm-hmm. And then they pushed it. And then uh, DiCaprio stayed on and Spielberg took over and the thing got set up, I think, pretty quickly. Sure, and they sure. were off and running. And it was in one of those, you know, two movie years for Spielberg. Yep. Um, uh, yeah. As we've probably said already, Minority Report had come out, what, five months earlier? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, Christmas Day, uh, Bafo box office. Bafo. Right. Uh, outgrosses Minority Report, which I think was kind of surprising if you were to look at the beginning of that year and go, which of these is going to be more financially successful? Yeah, because, but, you know, I mean, it was a Christmas movie. It just had that kind of long, you know, nice January to February, like, run where it's just making money. And a big movie star movie. Like, like two big movie stars in it. You know, Hanks is at the tail end of his, like, I'm a giant movie star, but I mean, he's only two years out of Castaway. Right. But you know. I think this is like right near the end of his run where he has like 10 consecutive $100 million grocers. He has like the longest $100 million grocer streak of any actor until <sighs> Will Smith beat him. Um, Pretty much. I think everything after that thing you do until Road to Perdition correct. makes 100. Um, Correct. No, Road to Perdition made 100. Right. I'm this saying- is the last one. Yeah. Oh, this right. One. This is the last one in the 100 streak. But, I mean, if you if you excuse that thing you do in Philadelphia, it goes all the way back to a league of their own. Which is nuts. Yeah. Um, but this is him taking second billing, which is pretty crazy. For, like, you know, kind of, he's still America's guy. Tommy H? Yeah. But this is a supporting role. He's playing off the ball. Which he doesn't usually doesn't do. Doesn't usually do, but uh, I would say he's both well cast and having fun. And and I it speaks a lot to like Spielie and like the wattage of this movie of just like man this movie's so big that Hanks is second fiddle mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. um, but let's let's crack into the film no 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 DreamWorks the point is DreamWorks uh, based on a true story based on a true story that had been novelized by Frank or autobiographized yeah. by Frank Abagnale in the eighties in nineteen eighty uh, Frank Abagnale Junior Junior uh, Junior yeah um, yeah. So it's about a teenager, lives in, I think, like, Westchester or something? Uh, New Rochelle. That's in Westchester. Sure, it? but I want to be specific. Sure. In New Rochelle. Um, is, uh, yep, in Westchester County. Just double checking. this is what this movie is really about. Mm-hmm. Those opening credits, though. Great opening credits. And, like, probably at a time where you're like, you know. Whatever happened to the opening credit sequence, right? Right. These sort of like Saul Zanetz type, like, you know, like sort Saul of- Saul Bass. Saul Bass. No, yes. Saul Zanetz is the director. Yeah. Saul Bass type or, you know, whatever, Hitchcock. Yeah. Like, you know, just jazzy. And this amazing fucking Visually score. exciting. Johnny Williams tinkling this those thing ivories. Where, and we were really, Williams had been pushing it. Mm-hmm. You know, it was like Williams had become a little bit one note, maybe. I mean, the AI score is phenomenal, and the Minority Report score is phenomenal. But it was a point, well, yeah, I mean, he turns it around in the year before this, but it was like kind of like, I get what the fucking Williams score And is. he was becoming just like the, you know, he'd just done the Harry Potter theme. It was like, oh, you need a big fantasy theme? You know, right. Get Johnny. 
Uh, and then this score is so like light and effortless and jazzy and uh but also a little haunted. It's got a uh, it's got a hanging sadness over it, you know? Um opening credit sequence fucking awesome. Uh, chase sequence like cutout style, you know, animation. And then we go straight to an episode of To Tell the Truth. Yeah, which is a a, a smart opening. Yeah. Really smart. And the the look is so good. Yes, he replicates it really well. He intercuts it with real footage of like it's like Kitty Carlisle asking the question. Um, a show I really liked. I used to watch Game Show Network a lot. Interesting. I never have seen. Is the idea? It's like you have to figure out which one of the three is the actual person by asking the questions. Correct. It was like huh. match game style, a series of celebrity panelists. What do they, you win? Like some money? Doesn't seem like a high money game. This one. Uh, yeah. It it was if if they don't figure out it's. You then you, I I forget how the fuck it works, but but it was yeah celebrity panelists right they bring out three people and they go one of these people is this they give them the biography, and the panelists take turns asking questions of the three of them and seeing who they believe the most, mm-hmm. and then I think it's either if you're the real person they don't figure it out you get money or if you lie and you you trick them they get money or whatever the fuck it is right, mm-hmm. the the liars are the truth tellers are the ones the celebrities are just fucking playing it's just. It's it's kind of interesting because it seems like more of a boring game show, but also like educational. Yeah, I used to find right? it thrilling, but I was also a boring child. Like right now, there's yeah. a game show called The Wall that was invented by LeBron James, which is just like Kerplinko or whatever right. it's called. It's yeah. just a giant, like massive Kerplinko. Right? Is that what it's called? Uh, uh, Plinko. Plink. It's just Plinko. Kerplunk is Kerplunk what you're is the other two. game. Both marble based yes. games. Yeah, but Plinko is what you're thinking of. Uh, yeah, but no, but to tell the truth, is like a conversational, like, fucking reel of character game show. Uh, it has a really good theme song and good, like, uh, uh, fucking graphics and shit. Um, and, uh, yeah, just, like, us knowing because it's fucking DiCaprio and he's the dude above the title. We know he's playing the guy, that he's the one, and the camera kind of holds on him. Yeah. Looking sort of uncomfortable in this situation as they're listing down. The announcer's going, like, I pretend to be an airline pilot of this and that. And he's yes, got yes. this far off look, right? Mm-hmm. And then we jump to Tommy Hanks, mm-hmm. right? I mean, this movie's like starting off on an interesting note because it's like extended credit sequence, the likes of which we rarely see. Okay. <laughs> then a game show do. sequence, <laughs> yeah. right? Shot on like fucking like TV video yep, cameras. Shot on the 4-3, yeah, grainy video camera. That yep. clearly takes place after the main narrative of this movie because they're listing everything he's done that we haven't seen yes, yet. Yes, 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 And yes. then we go to, Cut to he's in already in custody, yep. right? Tom Hanks is going to visit him in, in France. French prison. To try to extradite him. Yep. Get him and out. And he's like... The, the beginning's rough because he's like coughing and like Leo is just has decided like, I'm going to cough like my lungs are about to fall out of my mouth. You remember this? Oh, yeah. He's like, bah, 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 and you're like oh, my God. Like, I, I don't need I don't need this in my life. Uh, right. Like, yes. this is supposed to be a charming Christmas movie. Uh, the best acting teacher. I don't teacher, need fucking black lung. Oh, go ahead. The best acting teacher I ever worked with, uh, a wonderful woman named Elizabeth Camp, who I owe a lot to. Uh, I uh, was in one of her classes once and there were sort of these dropping classes where it was like people might come for one week, they might come for a long time, they come mm-hmm. in working on something or they come in want to work this in general. This is crucial information to yes. this anecdote. Yeah. Uh, there was a guy who came in once and did, I forget what character it was, but he picked a character from the play and she was always like, don't do a scene from the text. Like yeah. improvise a moment as the character. Do your own bit as the character. I don't want to see how well you can read the lines, right? And uh-huh. he was playing someone from a play who had disease and he just sat on the stage and just did, like, the fucking Leo Catch Me If You Can cough uh-huh. for, like, 15 minutes and was just, like, wheezing. Jesus. And then she, like, stopped him, and she was like, 
okay, so now we know you can do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Did he ever make a Lloyd team? He never made a Lloyd team. But I just thought it was one of the best, like, okay, we get it. Uh-huh. You're showing off, uh-huh. like, that you can hurt yourself. Yeah, that's the thing. It's just like, But okay, that's not really okay, acting, okay. right? But, but in this, it works really well. Well, yeah. Because you have to pass this point of, like, we know what movie we bought a ticket for. Sure. Catch me if you can. This is the world's greatest con artist, right? Catch if can. He's, ca- he's coughing this much, and mm-hmm. we know this is the end of the story. We know we're seeing something happening. Except it's not the end of the story. Aha. Uh-huh. But because it's media res, because I the know. movie's a chase, and we're already at the... He's caught, right? He's caught. He is post-catch. He's caught. He's caught-rised. Uh-huh. Um, we, uh, we're like, oh boy, maybe he's not fucking, uh, fucking messing with him. Maybe this is a real cough because it's really uncomfortable. Sure. Get him to the doctor. Hanks is like fucking and is busy like Spielberg, like fucking oneer, like frantic handheld camera shit, right? And it's like, get him here. I've been working my whole fucking career to find this guy. I'm not going to let him go. Yeah. And it's like one continuous shot where they're going over and washing their hands, and then they go back over into Caprio's. He's out of there, baby. Catch him if you can. A really good use of, like, a oneer, where it's like, here's a oneer that plays off of the fact that we know in real time DiCaprio had to exit the set. Yes. Like, like the timing. It's a good oneer, too. Is impressive, you know? Um, and then this great thing of, like, DiCaprio, beard, hair, looking horrible, hacking, coughing, trying very hard to run down the hallways of this French prison and escape, and everyone's, like, cheering him on. And it's like, okay, this guy's the legend sure. at this French prison, and they end up catching him. He's too weak, right? They knock him down. And now the movie goes back to DiCaprio, who at this point in time is... 16. But as an actor is... Oh, interesting 28, question. 29? I think this is interesting just because... He pretty much Yeah, he's twenty no, he's not that old. He's like twenty-five. Okay. Yeah. He was born in seventy-four. Yeah. The oldest point of this movie, say for the game show, he he's might, playing no, he's more like twenty-six. Yeah. 26 he's playing 26. like nineteen in this movie. Most I mean, that's the oldest he really gets, right? Well, yeah, basically. I mean, I guess in the the, the final sequences where right. he's older, I guess he's more yeah. in his twenties. But yeah, he's playing a teenager. Very convincingly. Incredibly. His frame is so much slighter. Yes. Were we talking about his big head just a second ago? Yes. Big head. Uh, less big head. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't know. Like, Leo's gotten pretty bulky. He has. Not fat at all, but just sort of like, I don't know. Hurtier. Yeah, you know. Stocky. Stockier, yeah. yes. Um, and uh, in this, he still has more of a boyish trim. Like, in, in Titanic, you know, he's a very boyish, like, look. Like, when you see him with his shirt off. Right. Which you do, right? I mean, in Romeo and Juliet, yeah. you certainly do. Like, you know, he looks like, I mean, quintessentially 90s heartthrob, Floppy right? hair. Yeah. Floppy hair, skinny. Um, but uh, this is before he starts working aggressively to um, fight against his babyish face. I feel like he pretty shortly after this, I mean, uh, Aviator, he's still half using it, half playing against it. And then from that point on, like from after 2004, he wants to look as haunted as possible, as raggedy as possible. Like, I think he had a complex about looking too sculptural and too boyish, you right, know, because right. he had this really youthful thing to him. It's interesting because this shoots after he makes Gangs of New York, right? Yeah, and especially because they pushed it back. And here. he's bulkier in Gangs of New York, although still boyish, but he is more like, you know. But you have to think Gangs of New York shot in like 2000, right? He did I like post so. for a year. They thought it was going to come out in 2001. They push it a full year. He does like this movie in the year between Gangs of New York's first release date and its actual release date. Yeah. So a lot of times passed. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. But they give him a really good teenager haircut, 
Mm-hmm. Um, and the first time we see him is at the the thing for the dad, right? Is that? Yeah, you open on the Rotary Club right? giving the dad and right. Walken is... The mouse speech. The, Walken is really only in those first, like, 25 minutes. Like, and then and after he's that, he's got two more that. scenes. Right. Like, so the beginning is, is... And, like, it's just immediately, you know, like, I think the first little thing they do is they walk and puts him in the suit and pretends that... Hasn't pretended he's a chauffeur. Yeah. When he's going to the, you know, trying to get a bank loan. Yeah. And you're just immediately, like, like something, like, absolutely dark is happening like you know yes like, this is all fucked up um it's and like the dad is kind of good at being like oh no it's fine you know like what are you talking about things are going great it's like incredible layered casting because they use everything about christopher walken including like his persona to the advantage of the movie which is like here's this guy who's kind of like removed and unknowable but is weirdly charismatic while also being creepy Exactly. It's just a, that's why Walken's perfect, yeah. and maybe Ed Harris might not have been no. like too hard edge. He's too hard edge. Like Walken's so good at being charming and creepy at the same time. Yeah, and you don't know like which. And he's not obviously he's not playing a creep. Right. He's just playing like someone who's obviously terrible with money and like you know is like kind of slippery and like you know just sort of probably like up to you know he has his hands in the till or whatever you but, know but you think about this era of walk-in before this and certainly for years after this when right. he's mostly doing like big studio comedies and yeah, hosting and he's SNL playing, and becoming a joke like becoming a meme kind of he is and he's he's playing like really silly characters like in America's Sweethearts which I think is is that the year that's the, that's the year, year before, before 2001 where yeah, he's like the crazy director right I want to say this is right around the time he did that Fat Boy Slim video. I believe. Correct. Weapon of Choice is probably like then. Yeah. I think it was 2001. I think it was the year before it. Okay. And uh, the Cowbell sketch was a year before this. Uh, 2001 was a big year for him. Yeah. And uh, Weapon of Choice is indeed 2001. Yeah. It um, came out the day before I was my birthday. Um, the day before you were born in 2001. Yeah. That's right. I am 16 years old. Um. Um, fucking walking, uh, you know, and, and he dances in this movie. That that was the point I was gonna make. You know, like yeah, people had rediscovered like, oh, walking can dance because he like right. grew up dancing. Like he's a great dancer. He was a dancer yeah. originally. Um, but there is that bit where like his main stock and trade at that point was being funny. Yeah, and the comedy was played off of like, is this guy in on the joke or yeah, not? Absolutely. And it was always like, and is, I would say for he... a few years after, he's yeah. basically doing that. Like movies like Balls of Fury. Sure, the Country Bears. Sure. Uh, and then Wedding Crashers, which has the gall to hire Christopher Walken and not have him do anything funny for the entire. His movie. role in Wedding Crashers makes no sense. Is the 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 Martin Sheen role in this movie? Yes, you know where it's supposed to be basically someone who has kind of an intimidating sort of presence, except right? with less jokes because that movie is not funny. Yeah, but also Walken is bizarre in that movie. Bizarre and like you're right, horribly cast. They don't give him anything to do, so it's distracting that a guy he's that like weird is playing the dad. He's the Secretary of Defense or something, yeah. right? <laughs> he's got one good moment in that film. What is like, it? one funny moment, and it's clearly a choice he made as an actor. It's when he goes into the bedroom after Isla Fisher has fucking tied Vince Vaughn up to the bedpost and mm. tried to, like, rape him. Yeah. Which is, oh, and then the son ra- tries to rape him, too. Seriously, let's, let's, no, everyone... Just move on. Just move through. It's a, it's a bad movie. He goes into the room yeah. to talk to Vince Vaughn uh-huh. and pays no mind to the fact that Vince Vaughn is tied to the Oh, yeah, that's actually true. Post. It's very funny. And while he's talking to him, he just rests his hand on the tie, uh, the rope that's tied yeah. his arm to the bedpost yeah. and just sort of strokes it while point, he's talking Isla to him. Because at this point, Isla Fisher has left the room, I believe. Right. Yeah. And his son, who also tried to All right, to all right, all right. He, he makes one funny choice as an actor, and other than that, that character has no fucking jokes. Um, the click, though. That click, though. 
Um, Remember, he's in Click. Yes. But that's the thing. Like, all the, the Chris Walken comedy persona was like, okay, is this guy a child or is he a sociopath? Like, it's like, which is he? You know, is he oblivious? Is he a babe in the woods and that's why it's funny? Or is there something sinister about him? And the whole key to this movie is that it's like the dad has to be kind of pathetic, kind of alluring, and a little bit unknowable. Uh, agreed. Agreed. And he does a wonderful job. And we immediately see just like Leo adores this movie. Uh, Leo adores him, and they have this scene where they recount this obviously frequently recounted family story of how the parents met, you yeah. know. And it's the one moment where they seem genuinely sweet, like mm-hmm. the, together. But it also, it's like an echo, obviously, because like, you know, shit's probably... Shit is obviously falling apart. Well, and it's also... But that's where he dips her, and uh, and Leo's just so, like, entranced by that. Yeah, he's just, like, staring. I mean, it's it's like, this movie, the first 15 minutes, gives you so many shots of Leo looking at Christopher Walken as if it's, like, Richard Gere seeing Julia Roberts appear from the top of the stairs in Pretty Woman, you know? Yeah, absolutely. But then there's there's things that I like, are, you know, obviously, so you've got Walken being... You know, a little shady, and working these like minor, these, weird yeah, hustles scams, like, to get yeah. rent a suit. You know, right? Exactly. Like the fact that he puts that much energy into getting a suit so that the sun can pretend and I like to be a his weird thing about like you know why the Yankees win because the pinstripes. And then he, Leo repeats that to Tom Hanks. And he's like, "What? No, Mickey wait, wait, Mantle, Mickey Mantle." <laughs> Which was Leo's first guess, and the dad's like, "No, pinstripes." And yeah. Leo's like, "Right, pinstripes." Pinstripes. I knew it. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but of course, I mean, what his dad is teaching there is something that Frank Abagnale then, you know, Junior begins to copy, right? Which is essentially, yeah. if you dress the part, people are probably are ninety percent of the way to believing that you are the part. Yes, and uh, obviously, what Leo's got going for him is that he is incredibly boyishly handsome and not weird, Christopher Walken. Well, and it's also a movie star movie, like you know, it hey, is. everyone, take out your uh, web connected devices and Google Frank Abagnale right now and uh, marvel at how little he looks like Leonardo DiCaprio, right? Right. And in real life, the real Frank Abagnale, clearly because he didn't have those features, yeah. had to like really fucking just use his smarts and his charisma without immediately being able to rope people in just from his visage, right? Right, right. But in a movie where you need to like tell a story quickly, mm-hmm. it's like you need someone like Leonardo DiCaprio who not only has that like thousand watt, like, you know, fucking movie star charge, but mm-hmm. also that face where it's like when he shows up on screen, of course you're going to pay attention to this guy. Yeah. Um, but this movie is about, among other things, uh, uh, confidence as a currency. Absolutely. That's like the big thing that it's got going on. And of course, that is the sort of yin yang happening with Tom Hanks's character handwriting, yeah. right? Where it's like, which is one thing I love is like you've got this movie star movie with Leo being a big movie star. Right. You can take another movie star. And you turn him into like the biggest dork you can. Like, I mean, and Hanks is hilariously buttoning everything down and just being a he's a he's a party pooper. And not only is he like the biggest movie star, but he's like America's dad. Like he's right. the guy where it's like Hanks is always this voice of reason. You always want to root for him. He always just seems like a good American guy. Except in this, he's like a divorce kind of miserable little shit. He's like shit. a bummer. Like every he's like season the one is a guy bummer. in the bank fraud department who yeah. wants to be in the bank fraud department. Like right. part of the joke is like everyone else is like being punished by like the FBI yeah. for fucking up somehow else. Like, because even like Road to Perdition's the year before this, and he plays no, like a mobster. It's the same year. Same year. Two thousand two. Oh, you're right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's like in, in fact, it was pretty recently. Yeah. Uh, right. It's like in November. Or no, no, it was a summer release. It came out in July. You're you're right. That and was that's the time insane. you could still release that movie. They released in the that movie in which it is constantly raining. Yes, and and like it's shot like a '30s serial. Like, they released you know, it on like wet. Big Willy Weekend. It's, it's a, a wit movie. Wet. Yeah, a wit movie. Wet it's a movie. Wit movie. July 12th. Um, 
what I was going to say is, <laughs> in that movie, he plays someone who has murdered people, and it's easier to root for him in that movie than this movie. Absolutely. In that movie, you're like, murder those people, Tom Hanks. But it also is like, they position him in that movie as like, well, he's a criminal, but also, deep down, he's Tom Hanks. Yeah, and I mean, it's movie, actually what's, it's sure. the flaw with Roger sure. British, even though I think he's actually quite good in Roger British. I do too. Yeah. Uh, this movie is like really dampening Tom Hanks, though. It's like, wait, why do I usually root for this guy? It's like it's, it's a great character but you actor do performance. Kind of root for him. Like there is something about it. Like you do want him to get him. Well, here's the thing: I love yeah. you want him to get him because Leo's you want a him piece together. Of shit. Leo's a piece of shit, but he doesn't know what he's doing. I mean, he's you know he's like a wild. Right. Leo's it, a piece of shit in the movie. He's doing so many fucking shitty things to everyone around him, but he's so much fun to watch. He right. He is, and you're and just it is like, this, ah, like right. he's gonna. Catch him again. And he's Hanks, keep going. Hanks, you know, is morally right. Right. And he's an inevitability, right. right? And so, like, you want him to catch him because it's like, this guy should be caught. But on the other hand, it's like, this guy's a fucking bummer. He's a bummer and nobody the likes him. a bummer, right. And, and that's big that no one likes Nobody him. enjoys him. I mean, there's that the very funny yeah. scene early on where he's like, I have a joke for you. Knock, knock, knock. knock. Go fuck yourself. Go fuck yourself. And then you see him repeat it, but yeah. they don't do the conclusion, they, they which cut is for great. Knock, knock, which is a great edit. Hank's character sort of represents like responsibility, right? Like I that we so. all have yeah. to be a responsible person Ooh, at some ben, point. Ben, you're you're building up my hot take. I'm getting to but here. The thing yeah. about the movie is that it's not about that at all. I disagree, but we'll build to that. Okay. Um, I mean, I know what you mean, but the movie is also about like you know what in America, if you're good at something, it doesn't matter how many laws you break, like you will succeed. I, I once again I think it's confidence as a currency. Sure. That in a country But I mean he's good at the thing at the end. Like it's not just confidence. Yeah. Like he he knows how to forge a check better than anyone in the world. Sure. You know? And that's a skill in our capitalist society. It's an acquired skill. <laughs> yeah. You know, as but, a byproduct. Because he's built up some... Anyway, go on. But you look at the beginning of the movie when, you know, his first con he pulls is... And we're getting, you know, early on this looming thing of walking, making a, these offhand references to the IRS, right? Walken's making these offhand, but he's also sort of vaguely teaching Leo the art of persuasion. Right. You know. And and he's brushing off the IRS stuff. Mm -hmm. But this is like, okay, here's a tangible, real-world thing that is capable of killing the power of his confidence. Sure. Right? Like, he goes into the bank, and they're just like, these numbers don't lie. And he's doing all his walkany tricks. And yeah. they're like, yeah, but you're being audited by the art. Yeah, like, we, we can't, can't give get you around a loan. This. Like, yeah. And every time it comes up, the wife gets a little uncomfortable, right? right? Um, this scene where they have to downgrade a lot, right? They move, move from their nice the house. Yeah. Uh, they sell the car, you know, all this shit. And they move to the apartment, and they're bummed out, and now Leo has to go to a new school. And he goes to the new school wearing his fucking, like, private Looking school like a square. uniform jacket. Yeah. And they make fun of him, so then he decides, well, like, he bumps you know into what? him when he's trying to talk to a nice girl at the locker. Right. You know what? I'm just going to pretend I'm a, I'm a teacher. And he fucking does it. Because I the part. Right. He fucking does it, right? That's his first. It's a, it is a really good scene, though, when he does that, because it's like a weird little fantasy that you didn't know you had. Like, right. oh, what if I could have done that? Yeah. And the substitute teacher walks in. <laughs> She's great. Who so is that? He's lucky that on the day, the real teacher is called out. And when the substitute teacher comes in, he just doesn't even hesitate for a second. He's just like, I'm sorry they made you call him a little late here. You know, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. It's true. And, uh, you know, then I think hard cut to uh, the parents meeting with the principal, and you think that he's going to say, like, hey, we just busted your son doing this. And said he's like, your son's been doing this for the last two weeks. You know? Yeah. It's like he's successfully run this And he's, like, planning con. a trip. Right, right. Yeah, like, to a, a school trip to the, I can't, like, a French bread factory. Which I love that this movie kind of presents him as, like, fully formed. It's That's not the like the first time he has a lie 
right, work, and then he's like, he's like aha. Playing. No, but the thing about it as well is that I like that he's good at his cons. Like, he's innately I mean, good at this. He, it's not just that he's good at pretending. Like, then he's like a decent French teacher who wants to take them to the French bread factory. Right. Like, he commits. Right, and you see that again and again. Like, he commits to the being a lawyer. He passes the bar. Like, you know, he doesn't really know much past the veneer, but he, like, wants to be, like, good at the job. Well, it's so much less about the money for him than it is about the status. Yeah. And he wants people to look at him that way, you know? Like, he wants the the power and the respect of being someone who has risen to a position that takes years to get to. Yeah. And so he wants to, like, pass. Yeah. You know? Right, right. exactly. Yeah. It's and also a little bit about the trick, though, right? Yeah. It's a little bit about the, the thrill of the trick. The, yeah. the magic trick, and you're never going to reveal, right? Like, right. what's really going on. And, you know, Frank Abagnale himself, I mean, this is more truly, has talked about, like, look, I was a kid. I was having sex with girls. Like, this was great. Like, right. you know, like, once he really got into the whole, you know, check, uh, you know, paper or whatever they call it like you know, yeah in this movie like playboy. look they they give you the early moment but i think you know he sold the book and then had no correspondence with them i, I you know he like once he sold the book didn't read the script had no approval sure. he was not really a consultant or anything and he was like i didn't know what they did until i saw the movie from the time uh-huh. i sold the book and so they definitely took what they wanted from his story and like reframed it in ways he said that he never saw his dad after he left home Interesting. But he was like, but the things they added are kind of a really good depiction of what was going on in my head. Sure. But like that is such a Spielberg thing to, you know, focus in on. But you know, I'm crazy. sure Spielberg read the script and was like, the dad is so crucial. What's crazy this, is he's know? like, yeah, they hit on that. That's like a deeper sure. truth. Sure. Even it feels like a Spielberg contrivance, but he's like, that was the root of what was going on here. Right. Still a Spielberg contrivance. A hundred percent. But uh, yeah, so he goes on the French trip uh, or he, he gets busted. Doesn't matter. Yes. Yeah. Right. And um, then his parents file for divorce. You know, he's mom's already sleeping he's already figured out guy. that his mom's sleeping with James Brolin. That scene's really fucking well done. And and alo- alarming. Yes. Like, you know, both of those scenes are alarming. The scene where he comes home and he realizes what's going on, and then the scene where he comes home and they're like, ha, look, it's fine. They're getting divorced. You just right. need to write down here which parent you want to live with. It's not a test. It's not a big deal. Like, And the framing is really similar between the two scenes. I think it's almost the exact same shot between the scene where he comes home and James Brolin walks out. And he's like, what the fuck is this guy doing here? And quickly puts it together. And the scene where he comes home and the divorce lawyer comes out. Yeah. And so when the divorce lawyer comes out, it's like, is this another guy my mom's sleeping with? Is this an IRS guy? Like, which thing is this? And then it's like, no, it's the third thing you hadn't even anticipated. Um, Really good fucking Spielberg wonder on the Brolin Mm -hmm. where they- Brolin's so big. So big. And he, like, I just mean wide. Like, and he, exactly. He just sort of like, He's always standing and Leo's yeah. sitting a lot of the time. It's just like imposing and yeah. But most yeah. of that sequence plays out in this one wide shot with mm-hmm. all three of them in frame moving around so you really get the sense. And like Brolin and the mom are moving around a lot trying to overcompensate and make it all look normal. Sure. Even through when Brolin leaves and it's just her talking to Leo and Leo, once he puts it together, just sits down in the chair and does this like fucking middle distance yeah. stare. Yeah. Where he's just like not gonna cry, not gonna yell, not gonna acknowledge not this. fucking happy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's like really good physical acting. For okay, Leo. let's move forward. Parents get divorced. They go, <laughs> you have to pick a person, pick a person, yeah, yeah, pick yeah, a person. Yeah. Okay, okay, we gotta move forward. Great, we don't creepy have French time. grandmother. Yeah. Don't you remember her? She's talking French. She's good. I mean, yeah. I when I minute I said it, I said to Joanna, I'm like, I wish I had a scary French grandma. I think Griffin had a scary French grandma. I kind of. Yeah, you had a French grandma. Kind of. Oh, okay, fair enough. Uh, French on the 
uh, my mom's father. I see. Okay. My grandmother pretended she friend. was French. I see. Once she moved to France. But I have a lot of creepy old French ladies I met like that through my mom. Um, so and then he just runs. He runs. And not long later, he figures out that, like, it's the 60s. And one of the most glamorous jobs in the world is a airline pilot. Because his dad gives him a checkbook. And he's just sort of running off of writing checks right. before people realize he doesn't have He's faking checks. And then he figures out, like, yeah, you can. He's using you, real checks, fake... but with no money. Now, right. listen, right. kiddies. Right. All right. Now, before the Internet, damn before it, the, you know, computers, right, <laughs> ruled everything. Yeah. You could just write a check. And it would take days for that to reach the bank. Yeah, none of this Lucas Venmo stuff. Yep. And you could just be a, a scammer, man. Checks the original Venmo. Um, and yeah, he realizes that, like, in the 60s, you know, when commercial uh, flights are a pretty new thing, mm-hmm. you know, and are really hitting vogue and becoming more accessible super to the Super glamorous, and stewardesses are super glamorous, and right. Pan Am is a super glamorous brand. That's what he's going to do. Sure. And then he also quickly realizes, like, you put a fucking Pan Am logo on a check, you can get more money. Yes. Well, it's, it's that he goes to the hotel and goes, like, do you cash checks? We and don't, they're like, we don't need to recount every little bit of the scam. Go on. Go on. We cash up to, you know, $100, but if it's a, it's a payroll check, we'll go up to $300. Indeed. I always... Do you just like the airplane, the toy airplane scam? Yeah, I mean, scam? I love that. It's good to get the little pan In the bathtub. That image, like, always it's a really good, stuck with there's me. There's a lot of terrific images in this movie. Yeah, now, this movie is shot by Yanush in just classic Yanush style. Fucking pulls a light through the windows, like those classroom scenes. Yeah. He's just, he can't, he can't help it. He can't help himself. But, but... This for- movie should have a different look. It doesn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. This movie should probably have more of, a, like, a vintage 60s look. It doesn't really. Well, what the, I find fascinating is. about the look of this movie is, from an art direction standpoint, very bright colors, yes, right? Very yes. poppy. Yeah. From a, a cinematography standpoint, standpoint, washed out, dark, yeah. muted, Pools shadowy, lots you know, of natural light, much yes. less like you know, sort of gauzy, like right. studio lighting. Right. Like he's putting a cloud over the natural sunlight of what's going on in these scenes. Look, I mean, foreboding. I, the thing is, like the sort of. The thing we're not talking about in this Spielberg that we've identified is like, I mean, he starts with Schindler's List, but it's also like Spielberg and Yanush. Like, you know, and Yanush is like this, this sad, weird Polish dude who Spielberg meets and he's like, Spielberg's like, I'm going to make this movie. And Yanush is like, but sad, you know, like he just comes (laughs) in and he's like mute. Like, shall we like, you know, let's, let's make everything a little more melancholy. But Spielberg also, I mean, he's in his he is. sad period. He is. He's, in, his, he's in a sad little period. Are sad. This is his blue period. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, he quickly becomes an airline pilot. Uh, and and Spielberg throws out the first of his, or no, it's the second of his. Uh, this movie, he like called shots on like four to five actresses who would blow up later. It's crazy. It's crazy. We have so Elizabeth Banks. Lizzie she tries Banks. to run. A, a check scam on it works it works she's the one lizzie banks in her two scenes that laugh yeah that laugh though yeah that laugh though same year she's in spider-man right so yes she's you know year after wet year hot, after is Seabiscuit. year before seabiscuit um um he's got uh we've got ellen pompeo of yeah. gray's anatomy as a stewardess who he fucks uh back in the time when i thought she was going to be one of america's uh, great character actresses and instead just got stuck on a medical drama for 27 years she was because she was cut out of eternal sunshine what else was she cut out of? that was uh, the year where she was cut out of two oh daredevil she's cut out of daredevil yeah she she's played, barely in it she's in for like no no one no line. but they cut 
That's what I'm saying. They yeah. cut a huge amount of yes. her. Right. Yeah. And then uh, she's really good in Old School. Oh, God. I haven't seen Old School in a long time. Uh, it's not a movie I'm fond of. I like that movie a lot. Nah. I think uh, that's like the one movie, after ragging on Wedding Crashers, that's the one movie of that wave that I think is still really strong. Right. Um, and she's really, really good in it. Um, and it, it just felt like she had bigger things ahead of her. And then, look, she made an assload of money, and she's had fucking steady I'm work. Pompeo's fucking rich But she, like, shit. doesn't do anything other than Grey's Anatomy. You know, that's what happens. It's one of those bummers. Um, and uh, who? Uh, Amy Adams, we'll get to her. And Jen Garner. And Jennifer who Garner, is, who was already on Alias and Spielberg. Right. They shot was this like, in, like, the wanna, middle of first season of Alias. I want a scene with Jenny Garner. Yeah. Honestly, I don't like that scene. We'll get to that scene. We will? Yeah, I think we. I want to talk about it briefly. Okay, well, I, let's move it along then. If you want to talk about that scene, then let's move it along. I always had remembered her performance being really bad in this movie. Like, I remember seeing it's, it in theaters and being like, she's really bad in this. It's fine. And then I watched it last night, and I kind of think she's pretty good in it. Yeah, it's okay. Um, I The thing that threw me off as a child is that I was like, she doesn't seem confident enough for this role. Like, it feels like a kid playing dress up, where I don't buy her being as uh, powerful as the characters present to be. And now I watch it mm. and I'm like, oh, she's playing a child. That's the whole point is that she's like the female version of that I, that's how I always took DiCaprio. it. Yeah, it's like he's running into himself uh, but like you know, the vulnerability and the uneasiness yeah. is baked into the cake. And it, that scene is essentially like a fucking duel between two bullshit artists. Mm-hmm. Who are both like kids trying to play in a grown-up world of what their currencies are. Yeah. And hers is her physical appearance and his is his confidence. I mean, also his physical appearance. But um, anyhow. Yeah. Uh, he starts running the airline scam and it just, it grows from there. Okay, he goes to do the interview. He gets all the information for them pretending to be a school reporter. And then he finds out where they get their suits made. And he goes and goes, oh, I lost it. It's just like a really smart process thing of like you see every bit of how he figures out what he needs to, in order to pull this off. And it's interesting because that's the early part of the movie yes. where we're learning his craft. And then the later, that means in the later part of the movie when he is, you know, Making debuting, huge graduating to more outrageous schemes, like we get it. Like he's got the money. We understand you know? how meticulous he is. We understand the types of routes he would take to pull these things off. You have that, but then, and so then in parallel, we're with Tom Hanks, yeah. you know, who's tracking this guy. Right, because there's a big gap with no Hanks. Yeah, a, a decent-sized gap. Like Pretty the opening early chunk one, of the French yeah. prison, and then he's not in it for like 20 minutes after that. That's correct. And then he's back yeah. once the crimes start to ramp up. And they're like, this guy, best fake checks we've ever seen. Yeah, really good fake checks. And uh, they track him to a hotel, and you get that early scene where they meet each other. Great scene. Where Leo essentially runs the sort of like, uh, he runs the same fucking scheme in Inception. What the hell do they call it in Inception? I the forget. Cobol? Yeah, the thing where, yeah, exactly, yeah, where you're yeah. just like, oh, yeah, up, yeah, no, I'm with you. Yeah. Where is that guy, right? Yeah. You know, like, and Hanks is like, right. Right, you know, yeah. Like, <laughs> and uh, so that's good, though, because then they have that early, like, adversarial, like, establishment. Well, and I love that, like, the movie was, like, pitched as, like, it's Hanks versus DiCaprio. The title is Catch Me If You Can. The poster is two blurry bodies, like, running so fast you can barely catch them both in the poster. Yeah. And then the movie gives you, like, a, it opens with, like, him already caught, right? And then the first time we actually, like, they cross paths within the main narrative of the film, it's like, they're right there. They're in the same room. Yep. He fucking has Really him. early. Yeah. Right. And like, you just probably see- 45 minutes into the movie, maybe? Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. Into a two-hour, 20-minute movie. The beginning of his chase. Uh, yeah. He's nabbed him. Mm-hmm. And DiCaprio gets out of that, and you realize just how powerful this guy is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, and of course, then that gives you that gives you a reason to understand why Hanratty is uh, really hell bent on getting it. Because it's all it, once again confidence is a currency. He's embarrassed now. Uh, yeah, he's got to prove this because this is such a fucking like stain on his resume. He looks like a goddamn idiot. Yeah, being in the same room as a seventeen-year-old and being conned into thinking that he's Secret Service, right? Yeah. So he now is fighting for confidence. True. To believe in himself again. You're really in on this confidence idea. Confidence is a currency, bro. Fair enough. Um, but but yeah, DeCap's got to pivot, right? Got to pivot. Because they all know about this fucking airline dude. There's even the scene where he goes back to the dude that he's been interviewing for the school paper. And he's like, yeah, this fucking dude is driving us crazy. Yeah. Going all these airlines, everything but our airline. Right. And you're just like, oh, he's been working this for months, but is still going back to the TWA guy and getting information out of him, which I love. Yeah. I love that, like, he doesn't stop, like, okay, I know everything. He's like, I got to always be learning. Mm -hmm. I can always be better. ABL. Right. What's a better typewriter I can get to Mm -hmm. make better fake checks? Like, it's, it, this dude is meticulous about his craft. Sure. Right? Okay. Uh, This is all building up to my. What's your big point? I think it's end. Oh, my God. Um, and uh, I think pretty shortly after this, right? It's yeah. like there's a you see his crazy like fucking beach house now, and he's got all these people over, and it's the life that everyone would like dream of, right? Right. There's the James Bond thing, which is cute. Uh, yeah. Although, I mean, whatever. The joke is, of course, that like half of it is he's this meticulous comment, and then half of it he's like a kid, so he like gives himself all these comic book names as aliases. He Barry watches Allen. it. Barry Allen, Frank Connors, which yeah. is, you know, like uh, Kurt Connors. I, I always assumed. I have actually, I don't actually know. I don't know who Frank Connors is. Frank Connors is his name, but Connors, I assumed he was being the lizard. I mean, oh, maybe. Dr. Connors. Yeah, I mean, sure. Um, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Because he's always Frank, or he's right, uh, usually right, 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 Frank. Right. Um, and uh, then, but then also, yeah, he watches like James Bond, and he's like, I want a suit, Mish Money Penny. And uh, he uh, watches the lawyer show. Is it Perry Dr. Mason Kilgore, or Dr. Kilgore? One yeah. of those shows. Kilgore, whatever the fuck. And he, you know, oh, Dr. Kilgore is the medical show, and then Perry Kilgore Mason is the lawyer. Dr. Kilgore is uh, the do you concur. Right, yeah, right, right, and, right. Yes, and yes. Uh, then Perry Mason for, you know, all that. He's right. like, he's still a kid. I mean, and that's halfway through the movie. That's what Tom Hanks, like, cracks open is like, oh, this is a teenager. That's why that, I don't get this guy. And that's also why it's the perfect, like, he's a Burkhanars because he has no fucking record. Exactly. That's why yeah. he doesn't show up anywhere, and that's why, like, yeah, and DiCaprio, like, threads this really good needle of, like, believably playing a 17-year-old, but also playing a 17-year-old who convincingly enough plays a 28-year-old that you can buy him as both in the moment. Why he's well cast. Yep. Well cast. Yep. So, at a certain point, he, uh, as things move along, he gets his beach house. Oh, I just want to, I want to say the thing I like about the James Bond thing is Spielberg always famously wants to direct a James Bond movie uh-huh. really badly. Uh-huh. Even after, like, Jaws and Close Encounters a big uh-huh. success, and uh-huh. the Broccolis, who owned James Bond, would sure. never let him do they, it. They don't let Americans. And it was, like, this moment where he was like, what do I have to fucking prove to make a James Bond movie? That's all I want to do is make a James Bond movie. No, but it's not about that. Like, the Broccolis want people that, you know, exactly. they can control. Like, right. They don't really want somebody who's going to, like, do a whole fancy thing. But he was, like, really torn up I, over, uh, like, what do I need to do to win over the Broccolis? Uh-huh. And his buddy George Lucas, Georgie Porgy, Said, is make like, Indiana Jones. I got something better for you. Right. James Bond with a whip. Okay. Moving on. I like him getting to do a little Bond. It's my point. Because it feels like him being like, I got to do he two seconds of Bond. his beach house. He becomes a doctor. 
he's got all this money, all these people are over, and he's just like stressed out about them dealing with all his shit. Sure. Why does he go to the hospital in the first place? He's looking for somebody. It, I don't think it's even really clear. He just he just goes to a hospital. He's talking to her. He sees Amy Adams. He's very talking to Amy her. Adams. She's got the braces, and he's like learning the system from her. And then he's like, "You got any jobs here?" And she's like, "Yeah." And he's like, "I'm a doctor." You know, like, and so then he's decided to be a doctor. Well, I think a these are the days where you could just print a fucking diploma and like it'd be hard to prove that you weren't a harvard graduate or whatever it's so you know? hard to get the technology it's not like yeah. today where it's like you can make anything in photoshop it's like who would take the time to make a fake diploma that's so that's sure. so like costly but i mean of course that was involved still, that is like but that is the classic thing of like most of the 20 the flim flams you yeah. know like paper moon scams right. like all that shit it's like well, there's so many details like who would take <laughs> the time to make this shit up um the big thing in the amy adams scene though the first scene is that uh, we see him at this house with a bunch of people who are older than him, right? And they're all like fun and fancy free, and he's just like he's like stressed out. Don't break anything. All the nerves, yeah. like I fucking I don't know how to like let go, right? And the thing he's immediately attracted to in Amy Adams is she's got braces, and I think that's like key because it's like well he he's he wants to talk about it because he just got his off and he's a kid. Yeah, and he's like he's like eh, yeah yeah it still feels weird under my I still have to wear my retainer. And she's someone who's nervous and uncomfortable in her right. job that she's going to fuck up. Yeah. And as much as confidence is his currency, he obviously has to live with that fear at all times. And he clearly can't relate to adults and then he meets her and it's just like A I need to be near her. Yeah. B I guess doctors cooler than pilot, right? Sure. So this is the makes this hard This shit. is the second act of the movie is him being like maybe I can play family, right? Like I think it's a five act movie, but yeah. Okay, fine. What? Okay, four act. First act, I think, is up until First he runs away. Second act yeah. is second act is pilot. Third right. act is romance. You know, whatever. Yeah, settling down, and then the fourth act is your conclusion. You know, you're getting caught and reforming. Doctor, right, right. Yeah. I don't know something yeah. like that. But um, so in trying to settle down with her, right? I mean, Mark, yeah. Mike Martin Sheen, who is so good in this movie, such a great like. What's he in five scenes? Like, yeah, if even, yeah, just. So good at being equally, like, very threatening yeah. and sort of, like, you know, seems almost like he completely knows what's going on right away. But also so oblivious. But also oblivious and, like, warm and father figure, you know, like, ultimate father figure. So it's like you immediately can see why Frank would be like, I have to satisfy this man. I'm a lawyer, too. Like, you know, like. Well, Martin Sheen's just one of those fucking steady hand actors where when he shows up in a movie, you're like, okay, I can sit back. Mm-hmm. This guy's got me. You know, like, th- nothing's going to fucking fall as long as he's on screen. He's so good. And also, uh, from, like, his fucking breakout in Badlands, you know, through to, like, he's doing West Wing at the same time as this. Yep. Whether he's playing a guy in the right side of the law, the wrong side of the law, an adversary, your hero, he's just a guy where you're kind of just innately drawn to him and rooting for him, you True. know? True, Like, there's something just really compelling and authoritative about him, regardless yep. of what he's actually fighting for. Spielberg said, like, he needed a guy who just the second he showed up on screen, you're like, oh, he's been able to, like, fucking go face-to-face with Tom Hanks and, like, outwit him. But Martin Sheen shows up on screen, you're like, it's going to be tough to get one over on Sheen. Sure. And you immediately feel that. You're like, this might be the roadblock, you know? Yeah. He, yeah. like, well, talks his way out of everyone. That scene where first he asks the, uh, you know, what was his little dog's name question? Yeah. And then when, when Frank's asking him to marry him. Right. I mean, Frank's asking to marry Brenda. And he does this moment where he and tries he, to come he, clean because he you drops can tell. the act and he's like, I'm just a kid who loves your daughter. But of course, I mean, it's one of those no clever little movies. You're things. romantic. Like right, me. right. Yeah. Uh, can we talk about Amy Adams' performance? It's just wonderful. I mean, unbelievable in this movie. I mean, hot take. 
pretty good actress, she's Amy like, Adams. Right. I mean, she's like one of, if not my favorite, living actors. Hey, also a cutie pie. Yes. Who boy. Yes. She's a cutie pie. I mean, she'd been in Drop Dead Gorgeous and uh, in, um, what's it called, Psycho Beach Party. Like right. She was sort of like this, you know, indie actress you noticed, I Did guess. Did a lot of TV. She's in an episode of Buffy. She'd been in Smallville, I remember. Yeah. Like, she would pop up. We looked it up. She was on, like, a couple of sitcoms, too. She was in the Cruel Intentions pilot that got turned into a movie called Cruel Intentions 2. Which was, like, a softcore movie. They, like, they, took they, the 45 no, minutes They took of the plot. pilot and they put some porn in it, yeah. <laughs> they put, like... What a weird They thing. put, like, topless sisters making out in a shower. Who thought it was a good idea to do a Cruel Intentions TV show? No, I, no and they're trying to do it again now. Do yeah. you know that? Oh, of course I and know And now that. they're doing a fucking musical. Maybe let that thing lie. Yeah, maybe... Yeah, forget it. Yeah. Put it on ice. Put it on ice. So then this year- But she always talks about no, no, that. No, I meant like, like put it on ice, like Cruel Intentions on ice. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good idea. Ben, yes, five comedy points. Um, or, or five entrepreneur points. <laughs> Shut up, <laughs> crazy people. So Maybe you're point, the crazy one. Well, so, I mean, I've heard that like it was one of those things Spielberg just loved the audition and gave it to her over like more famous actresses. Yes, 100%. I, I, there was someone who was close. Uh, I want to look it up. Keep talking. But she's got single card billing in this movie, right? With like heavy hitters. You know, you look at the opening credits, DeCaps, Hanks, fucking Sheen, Natalie Bay, who plays the mom, or Walken, obviously. Natalie Bay, who plays the mom, is like a huge actor actor in France, right? Sure, sure. And then like Amy Adams. And you're like, that's big for like an unknown actress to have like solo She's above Sheen. Yeah. In the, in the billing order. I right? mean, she's in a chunk of the movie. Oh, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, role. this is a big step yes, up. Yes, yeah, yeah. Now, obscurity. your argument is, isn't it funny that this wasn't her breakout role in a weird sort of a way? Because it was a huge hit of a movie, mm-hmm. and I feel like I talk to people about how good she is and how consistently good she's been, in, and I go, catch me if you can, and they go, who is she in Catch Me If You Can? I go, she's like the okay. female. No, she's like this. no, that's stupid. Nobody thinks that. People know she's in Catch Me If You Can, right? I talk to a lot of people who forget that it's her. I've got a hot take for you. Those people are stupid. I agree. Stupid people. I agree. The weird thing is, she doesn't really do anything after this for a while. Two years, fucking nothing. Two years, nothing. nothing, But then, suddenly, she's in everything. So maybe it was just some weird slow burn where then suddenly she was getting a zillion projects at the same time. Because she's in Talladega Nights. She's in Junebug. She's in, like, The Wedding Date. You know, like, she, like, suddenly is, like, pop, 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 pop. But doesn't do anything for two years after this. Then does just TV and an indie movie I've never heard of. And then the year after that is The Wedding Date, which is like a fucking Deborah Messing vehicle, yeah. right? Leave Deborah Messing alone. Junebug, which, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but on paper wasn't like, oh, this is a slam dunk. This is what you get after no, being in a Spielberg but it had, movie. It had a sort of semi-serious like cast, so maybe you're, you know, but yes, for sure. And great script, but first-time director, who knew? I, one of my favorite movies of the decade. I love that movie. I like that movie. I, I think she's it. wonderful. I think she's wonderful. I think I that movie's a masterpiece. I have seen it in years. Yeah. I watch it a lot. Uh, I, think, I think it's a really underrated movie. Crazy. Um, and, and then it's like, okay, underdog, best supporting actress contender. Right. But still, that movie didn't do a lot of box office. She's kind of like a hot, buzzy actress. Yeah, but she won like a ton of critics awards. I mean, at that point, she was. Right. You know, but then. But it was like, is she going to be a character actress? Sure. Then she starts appearing in everything. Then she starts doing fucking Talladega Nights. But these supporting roles in everything. And then Enchanted is a big deal that she gets that over bigger kind of A-list actresses. Right. She's and great. Disney anoints her. And then she's a movie star. Yeah. It just took a while. It took five years after, you know, things, things, if you can, to become like a big studio leading actress. Sometimes you put the work in. It, all I'm trying to say is careers are really long. And it's sure. really interesting to watch. Like It is. 
Amy Adams gets plucked from obscurity in you know, a Spielberg she's... movie, knocks it out of the park, and still it takes five years before she's She might have had to work as a waitress after being in this movie. She might have had to work part-time at the Disney store, just like me. Yeah. You guys are all out of your minds. Amy Adams is phenomenal in this movie. She's 42 now, so, you know, like, it took her a while. Yeah. Yeah. Great in this movie. I love her in this. Uh, I think it's a great performance. Um, I think uh, one line delivery alone announces her as You're not a Lutheran? Yeah. Great line delivery. That's such a sad scene. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, obviously, you know, cause it's, he, he, you know, builds this con. He becomes a lawyer. He's going to settle down with her. He gets caught, obviously, yeah. you know. And so he's fleeing. He's like, it's a great thing. Like that's expertly choreographed with Leo, yeah. where he's like, "You would trust me if I, you know, you know, everyone has secrets." And he pops open the briefcase full of money. Dollars are literally flying out. I mean, there's that great shot where the little the dollar bill like flies past. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hanks. There's so many nicely like the, the, also that shot of all like the guns dancing. Yeah. Love that shot. Yeah. Ah. But um, the little snub noses. Um, but that scene where he's bidding her goodbye, and you know that's, you know, you know that's it. But he's still pretending. I mean, I know he wants to believe, right. like, she's going to run away with him, but, like, it's ridiculous. And he's like, you'll meet me, like, you know, and they keep saying, like, uh, two days, 10 a.m., Miami, you'll drive through the night. And I like that the oh, scene so you don't see is her clearly telling the parents, them being like, you have to tell the cops. Sure, right. And then them setting them up at, at the airport, whatever. Yeah. We just jump we from. We just get it. Yeah. Um, because she, he's, like, leaving this trail of destruction in his wake. You know, the movie is not about those people, even if he's. He's ruining lives. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the crimes he commits are victimless crimes. Like, a lot of the crimes he's literally just defrauding banks and airplane right. companies. Like, okay, you know, whatever. Like, I mean, no one's really going to root against yeah, this Yeah, but that guy. fucking haunts him because he actually was in love with this woman. Like, but that wasn't one, a con. This he one is to, brutal. He actually wants to sell down I mean, down it's the only woman. reason he stick. I mean, he should have just kept moving on, right? right? Like, you know, papering money all over the place. Yeah. Um... um I, I just think, I mean... Because as he says, I have millions of dollars. Like, we can just go away and live forever. Like, right. you know, on this money. Right, and it elevates this movie to have a performance that strong in that character and to have her be such a sad, nuanced character. She's so sad. I mean, she doesn't play it. Um, this is a performance I feel like a lot of actors would play condescendingly mm -hmm. because she's kind of simple and a babe in the woods and childlike, you know? Yep. But that's what draws them closer together. I love the implication that she's older than him. Mm -hmm. We don't and get a specific we, age, but she's she had an abortion. She's like Right. That backstory, that scene is so fucking well done. Yeah. Where he's just like why don't we just get married? Right. And it's not like him trying to like placate her. He's like we all do things we're not proud of. Like sure. he, yeah, right, he's right. just like I'm a liar. Like why would I ever hold anything against you? Yeah. I mean, it's it's. Good, I don't. It's I love that he's no judgment for why she would be immediately drawn to him as well. Like you know, as someone who's like totally forgiving and non-judgmental. And, and he's yeah. like the one person who like kind of respects her. Like you right. can tell she's been, and like her parents fucking disown her. Right. He's so respectable in his bullshit that they believe in her again. Right, right, right. And it's like, yeah, I I just think it's a heartbreaking character, an amazing performance. Mm -hmm. Um. So now we we've forgotten to acknowledge two recurring threads that have been set up. One is that this movie is taking place over years with Christmas Day always as this kind of landing point. And the idea is that every Christmas Frank gets lonely and calls Carl Hanready. Right. And, and then Carl calls him on it, says, like, you don't have anyone to talk to. Right. I'm Which the only one you can talk to. Is the most scared he ever is in the entire Right. Film. But also... He hangs up the phone immediately as, in a cold sweat. As the movie is going on, we're figuring out, like, oh, also Carl Hanready has no one to talk to on Christmas. Yeah, what's he fucking he has, doing... Like, this daughter who he lives with the mother and like, you know, obviously he works too much. He's and, got like, a never wedding ring and yeah. Leo asks about it, but he's like, uh, I don't have a family. 
you know? And he goes, well, I have a family my daughter's four. But he keeps on kind of brushing it off. And then the other thing is, Leo keeps on going back intermittently to see his father. Uh-huh. And all he wants is his father to be impressed. Well, to be impressed, and he wants to, like, rebuild the broken family. He thinks that if he can make his father great well, again, then the mother will come back. He keeps coming back and acting like it's been a week right. since they broke up. Right. You know, and he's like, well, have you seen her? And the dad's like, she you can't let her go. You got to win her back. Remember she, that girl like, moved at the in bar? with this other yeah. guy. Right. Right. And I mean, and then in that second scene, which is the last time he sees him, when, when he's now a mailman. Yeah. Right. And he says, like, tell me to stop. Like, yeah. I don't want to do this. Like, tell me to stop doing this. Yeah. And instead, Walken's just like. Having a great time, huh? You know, yeah, like, where are you going? And just changes the subject, talks uh, about fucking whatever. He's so good in those scenes. Leo keeps on presenting it to him as he's actually doing these jobs. And, like, you can't bullshit a bullshitter. Walken knows exactly what's going on. And so he's never impressed in the way that Leo wants him to be. The moment that he's proudest of his son is when he sees that everyone at the fancy restaurant is looking at him. You know? Yes, absolutely. Because that's all he's ever wanted is the confidence and the respect of others. But he doesn't respect him as if he is a doctor or a lawyer or a, an airline pilot because he knows that's fucking bullshit, even though Leo never lets it on until the very end. Right. The scene where he makes him recount the story of meeting the mom at the bar and Walken gets choked up is like an uncharacteristically vulnerable moment in a Walken performance, which I really think is like what made him such a firebrand uh, Oscar player mm-hmm. this year because that's like a side we'd never really seen before of just him being just like broken. Yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, Deer Hunter's, like, crazy mm-hmm. broken. Yeah. And this is just, like, he's just a sad, broken man. He's, you know, a fucked up guy. And that scene yeah. where he's like, Dad, what are you wearing? You can't let Mom see you in this. And he's just like, it's over. Like, I, right. I'm a fucking he, old guy. What am I going to do? But he doesn't say it like that exactly. He just kind of, like, gently, and then he'll, like you say, he'll sort of switch the subject to being like, so, what are you doing? You know. Well, he's the kind of bullshitter who's, like, you look at how resigned he is when he goes to the bank and they're like, IRS is investigating you, we can't do this. Well, no, but also how resigned he is when Tom Hanks shows up and he's right. like, yeah, if you're going to arrest me, can I change my suit at least? Right. Like, please, like, you know. He's a guy who always knew that it was going to catch up with him someday. And when he goes like, yeah, I had to close the store for a little bit. It was getting hot, whatever, you know? DiCaprio thinks he's never going to get caught. True. He wants to be a greater man than his father. He wants to believe that there's no way he will ever be in a position that he can't talk his way out of. What can I tell you? So now uh, he's on the run. There's a great sequence where, you know, when he goes to the airport to try to pick up Amy Adams so they can run away together, he sees the Fed whispering in her ear and then comes up with this amazing short-term con where he goes to the college, pretends it's a a stewardess recruitment program, Mm -hmm. and essentially camouflages himself. That's a cool scene. In the middle of, like, 12 uh, beautiful women Mm -hmm. who will flock around him and distract it's a good scene. Uh, then yeah. you, you cut ahead to he's in France. And the Hanratty sign. It's a good, it's a good fucking punk. Yeah, he punks Hanratty. He punks him. He punks him good. This movie is kind of, it was the, he was the original punker. Hey, was the song Come Fly Away With Me originally just written for montages and airports? <laughs> Correct. Okay, great. <laughs> and also Delta commercials. Yeah, it's a little uh, ballsy to uh, break out the Sinatra for that scene, but it's a good scene. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's also, it's ballsy of him to, uh, during the whole doctor sequence, play that song that's like, I'm a doctor now. You know that I'm a doctor now. I'm not endorsing that. <laughs> lawyer man, lawyer man. I'm endorsing that. Yeah. That's good. Fake um, chauffeur, shake we got, fake chauffeur we got from my ra- dad. We got to wrap this up. <laughs> well, now this last chunk of the movie is just like, it's clear that his luck's going to run out. Well, yeah, because now he's in France. He's better. Yeah. Like, he's amazing now. He bought, like, a 
check machine. I don't right. know what the fuck it is, but he's like become like the most master, like international check thief. And, and it's like, like they're not even fakes. The anymore. weird thing they're is, like, like, that's why he's floating. They're not even fakes. He's making real checks. Like everything about this is is top quality. And uh, Tom Hanks goes to his supervisors, and they're like, "You got to drop this." Well, that's the thing. He, they've the Treasury. They're, they they've given up on him. They're like, "Yeah, whatever." Like we're and not sending you to fucking France or Spain or whatever. There's that early scene where he's going to his boss, and he was like, "I was in the room with this kid. I can catch him." Right. And the boss is like, "Go get him." Yeah. Well, no, but he's like, "Look." Corner office, sure, you're in line you for that position, right, this right. and that. Don't make a mistake. And he's like, what's a mistake? And goes like, embarrass yourself. Right, right. Do anything they can hold so against now you. now he's embarrassed. Years himself. have passed. Right, yeah. And he goes to the boss. He's like, I'm close to this kid. I'm getting closer. And it's like, three years have passed? Yeah, enough. Right. And he's like, we can't let him get away. And he goes like, you already did. Yeah, basta. We don't care anymore. Who fucking gives a shit? Whatever. So, but anyway, it doesn't matter. Can we, let's... You know, I want I want you to get to your big hot take. Hanks has the breakthrough. Oh, France, he must be in the town where his mother Mon lives. Richard, they go there. The, the seem- agent is finally useful. His partner is finally like, oh, I have it in my notes. Mon Richard, you know, which is good. I like that he has a little moment. And it's like there's a year later flash, so we don't know what he's been doing for the last year. And when they get to the factory, it's like, this is now manic He's crazy. just melted down, yeah. and he's printing checks. He's I in guess. a white theater, and he's like, like hand ratty, nice to see you. Hey. And, and, he, and it's like, this scene is fine. I actually, this I is, like this this is the part of the movie where I'm like, okay, okay, let's uh, wrap it up. Because he escapes like eight more times, you know, like he yeah. escapes from the plane, uh, yeah. he jumps through the toilet, and then he like goes to his family's house and mm-hmm. finally dawns on him like, my parents have divorced and my father is dead. Like, I am actually not going to fix anything here. This movie can fall into the common Spielberg complaint of like Too five many endings. endings. Too many endings. Which used to be my complaint about this movie. It does have a lot of endings. It doesn't bother me because I love the final ending. I like I, I like where everything ends up. I do too. I just love that. But I just love this. Uh, DiCaprio is now like he's like a shell of a man. Like he's not even having fun doing this anymore. No. Like yeah. he's just he's doing just good it. At to it. Do, he doesn't. Right. It's like he'd go through withdrawal if he couldn't con people. That's sure. the only thing he knows how to do. And um, yeah, Hanks like in the moment where you expect that he's gonna have his like. You know, Tommy Lee Jones fugitive, like, I got you. I fucking, I, this is all I cared about. He's like, please don't fuck this up. Like, they can kill you. I'm trying to treat you civilly. Handcuff yourself. Walk out with me. There's no point in running. And DiCaprio's like, you trying to con me? What are you, you lying? What about the thing you said about your kids? This and that, you said you didn't have a family. I have a family, I have a daughter, it's four. I don't anymore, okay, I used okay. to. All right, all right, all right. And he like goes out and the cops aren't there and he freaks out and then the cops come. Yeah. He runs away, he tries to go see his mom. Yeah. He sees his mom's remarried with the kid. Mm-hmm. Freaks out, they arrest him. The French extradited, prison. all that, right, all, yeah, whatever. The prison right? scene, they extradited. Yeah, that's all already happened. But yeah, the all plane. That there shit. was the flash in the middle, yeah, yeah, yeah. and he keeps on asking the like, "How how do you pass the bar?" The one thing the I can't bar, figure out. I can't figure out. Won't how say. Won't the say. Bar. Trying to con him. He goes to him. prison. He's yeah. sentenced for many years in solitary confinement. They don't try him as a minor. They give him like twenty years. They start twelve then, years of solitary 16, confinement. Sixteen, I think. Yeah, uh, they, okay. they they start chatting to him. Then he starts visiting him and chatting to him. Yeah. And Abby and I was like, "Let me see those checks. Got some checks. Got some yeah. checks." And so like they realize like, "Oh, this guy's you know." I mean, he's the best in the the biz. He knows, right. And so they hire him, and then what does he do once he shows up at the FBI, like, after one day? Yeah. Runs away again. This is the exact thing he's been trying to avoid his entire life, which is just a normal life. You know? Like, the office, I love the office is so drab, all pop is drained out of it, you know? Like, they make it such an unengaging environment without any, like, verve or pizzazz. 
And it's just like, wait, so what's my life now? And it's like, supervised custody, this guy, Hanratty, is now in charge of you. You have to work here every day for the indefinite future. And he's like, oh, fuck. Fuck, 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 fuck. And so he's like already trying to like, okay, let me go to my file, cut the thing out, make a new passport. And he's like, what are you doing this weekend? I'll go visit my daughter. Oh, great. Uh, cool. Okay. Tries to get away. Tries to get away at the TWA. Great terminal. Spielberg wonder where he's walking, he's down, walking the, down and, the... and Hanks is just in the background. He's got the old pilot's outfit on, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, Hanks is just out of focus, slowly getting it's closer and closer. And is just like, I knew you were going to come here. And he was like, weren't you supposed to be on plane to see your daughter? And he's like, she's skiing this weekend. Because I thought you said she was four. And he's like, she's, she's 16. I haven't seen her in years. Right. So, it's the same basic thing, which is like, why do you lie I, to me? It's like, I want to live in the world I want to live in. Well, it's the same thing as Abigail's been doing to himself. Yeah. It's like, you know, yeah, you know, time has passed. Right. Like, time has passed. They've both been denying and thinking this. they can fix Years the have passed. Right. So, and then, I mean, that's, it's basically just one more scene, right? Because the last scene is Hank's waiting for him to arrive. Because Hank he, says, I'm not going to chase you. No yeah, one's yeah, yeah. chasing you anymore. He knows that part of it was the thrill of the chase, right? And he goes, like, I'm going to chase you because I know you're going to come back. What, yeah. are you, what are you going to do if you leave? Um, do you know how hard I had to go? I had to go like fucking all the way up the train right. to get you out of jail. What are you going to do? And they do a good fake out where you see the footsteps. Oh, he's late. You right. know, it's not, oh, there. But then he shows up. They look at the checks together. Yeah. I love how when they start looking at the checks together, everyone else leaves because they're like, these check nerds over here. And he says, I, you got to tell me how do you pass the bar? Studied. Yeah. Studied hard. Two weeks. Passed it himself. Right. But then I like that Tom Hanks is like, is that the truth? Is that the truth? And he's like, it's a good check. You know, like, you know, he doesn't totally confirm it. Okay. All right. What's your hot take? So here are my reads on the movie. I think this is the most autobiographical film that Spielberg has ever made. So, okay. which is essentially like, you think Spielberg was like, I was a fucked up kid of divorce who just had confidence. Or what do you mean? Well, yeah, in a lot of ways. I mean, A, I think it's a movie about escapism, right? I think the cons that uh, DiCaprio are, is running, are running, his cons that he is running- mm-hmm are uh, analogs for uh, Spielberg's films. Mm-hmm. Not like, oh, the airline is Raiders, you know, but just like... No, no, I get you. Those are the projects of, like, he wants to create a world. Sure, and it's and he's chasing the next thing. You know, whatever. and it's yeah. the things that he sees that he aspires to. Here call. Are, are the figures of stature who get respect. I want to make the kind of movies I grew up loving. This is what spoke sure. to me. Confidence is the currency, right? It's for good... him, it's like cinema is the currency. Do you know that the beginning of Spielberg's career, how he got started... Was Isn't he, went, he just like went into a, a lot and like he went sat to the Universal in an office lot and, was and was like, like, hey, I have a development deal here. Right, and they were yeah. like, okay. Yeah. And he found an office that was vacated. And every day he went in at the Universal office that no one was using right. for like weeks to months and just like hung around and watched other people doing shit. Right. And then finally someone was like, who the fuck are you? And he was like, oh, no, bye. <laughs> like, right. yeah. And then he got like a TV directing job yeah. and like he was off. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I do know that. Yes. So that's a real Frank Abagnale move. It is. Like Good he, for you, Stevie. Right? Um, and, and he had like he talks about it. He had like a fucked up family that got divorced, yeah. and it was like totally traumatic for him. Right, and you figure that, you know, as a, a very vulnerable kid, right, who probably had a hard time dealing with the realities of what was going on in his home life. Movies were the escape, right? They were the thing that made him feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. What did he want to do? He wanted to make the thing that made him feel comfortable. Mm-hmm. In the same way that like DiCaprio wants to be the kind of man that his father was trying to be, but even more successfully, without the failures, without the chinks in the armor. You know, another thing that's interesting about Steven Spielberg, mm-hmm. you know, he uh, applied to USC, uh-huh. uh, didn't get in because he had like a C 
average. Mm-hmm. He wasn't like a good student. So he yeah. didn't get into the USC film school, which is what George Lucas got into. Right. And, you know, all the big guys. So instead he went to like, he went to like a UC state school. I can't yeah. remember which one. And, uh, uh, and then I think he might have even, I think he dropped out. He didn't, you know, and he, and he does all the shit we're talking about. He starts working in the industry. Years later, yeah. like near to, like in like 2000 or something. Yeah. He gets his BA. He like went back to school to get his BA. Yeah. Like, so, you know, like much like Abagnale, he finally like put his pen to paper again. And he was like, legit, legit yeah. this time. Imagine Steven Spielberg getting a BA. I just think about that thing that you hear like filmmakers and actors say all the time where they're just like, I, you know, I really want to, they, what drew you to this project? And you're like, this is the kind of movie my dad loved. Sure. You know? Sure. And it feels like he, you know, I don't know what his father's relationship was to movies. I, I only know what we basically know about his relationship to movies, which is just like, they were everything to him. Like from the moment he discovered cinema, that was his entire worldview. That was all he understood. And he had to create that, right? These confidence games of creating a world and knowing what you're doing improvising on the fly that's what all filmmaking is and Spielberg was known very well for you know the shark doesn't work use that make that part of the language okay I right. have I have pneumonia right. this day Cairo Swordsman okay. scene is okay. one shot okay okay we've okay. run long so, so what happens he's, uh-huh. he's fucking chasing escapism high fantasy right making these populist oh, blockbusters okay and what's chasing him the entire time adulthood maturity right, right. psychological realism like he's been dealing in very binary color palettes good and bad, sad, and happy, okay. you know? Okay. Movies are like a fucking comfort food for us. And Spielberg has become this guy who is synonymous with, like, escapism to the point that everyone else says they're trying to make their Spielberg-type movie, their yeah. Amla-type movie. Stranger yeah. Things is trying to get back to how All things right, felt when Stranger you were Things. Leave that out of it. Come right? on. Come on. Keep going. Fucking pop culture is, today, uh-huh. pre- preeminently defined by the things that Steven Spielberg did for 20 years, making movies sure. that made us feel like children again. Yeah. Right? And now everyone's just trying to make that thing. And Spielberg is this guy who's like fighting for adult dramas. And this is kind of like in the now transitional he's become a crotchety. period. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where like that's what was chasing him this whole time. Is like you're the most successful movie filmmaker of all time. But where's this actually going? You're just going to keep on making movies for kids forever? Okay, okay. And every time he goes back to like one of his old cons, it doesn't work. It's fucking Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Or it's well, you're BFG. talking about later, yeah. I mean, right, but, uh, but even Lost World, you know? Like from the point where he wins the Oscar. Okay, look, you're doing your thing where now Henry everything- catches him. No, everything can't fit into your dumb grand unified yes, it theory. Does. He made Empire of the Sun. Like, I mean, his whole problem was that he would make these serious movies and people would be like, no, you're good at the kitty shit, yeah. you know? Yeah. Right. But and that then was, eventually yeah, the he grows was, up. You Empire know. of the Sun was him trying to marry Amy Adams. Uh, sure. Great. Good, good you know? job. Good job. Squeezing it all in there. Thank you. What's always? <laughs> always is just like a shitty con. That's maybe the lawyer thing. What's hook? Yeah, I mean, they, they didn't cover all the cons in this movie. <laughs> yeah, no, but enough. like, this is the better Peter Pan movie. Yeah, no, that I agree with. Exactly. I mean, Hook is him making a Peter Pan movie, obviously, which is right. like, a, obviously just like a completely elemental story for him, right? Yes. Like that weird dichotomy of like, I know I have to grow up. But, like, I'm happiest here. And, like, this is where I have my magical powers, right? Like, and this fantasy that people have always been obsessed with, right? Especially, like, escapist directors have always been like, I got to make my Peter Pan movie, right? Boy, oh, boy. And Do they need like, to stop thinking that? Peter Pan just, like, doesn't fucking work as a movie. Like, we've told Peter it. Peter Pan is creepy. Yeah. 
It's about wanting to be a little boy. Yeah, and guess what? People should fucking grow up. And I say and this is someone who's like by a creep. I say this is yeah, someone, someone yeah. who's real Peter Pan syndrome over here. Yeah, but you know what? Like, like here I am, right? All I fucking care about <laughs> is like fucking cartoons and superheroes. Sure. And yet I'm now the guy standing around. Twenty minutes he talked to me about Transformers before we went on my. But my point is like all fucking high school, I used to get made fun of all the sure. time because all yes, I cared about yes. was superheroes and cartoons. I get it. Right. I get it. And now, right, we it's live in a world cinema, and I'm like, give me adult drama. <laughs> it's true. We live in a world where it's like Mark Ruffalo is the Hulk. Right. You know? <laughs> and I'm not pretending that I don't go see all of those movies and they aren't comfort food no, to me. I and mean, then I don't watch them. Just think the... about that. Mark right. Ruffalo is the Hulk. I know. <laughs> and look, these are the movies I watch when I can't fall asleep at night because like I have anxiety yeah, and I need something to placate. Yeah, of right? course. It's a, it's but a, like it's a I, cookie. I want like fucking adult all right, Griffin, Griffin, cinema. Stop yelling. Stop yelling. Stop yelling. Hold on. I'm tying it all together, okay? Uh-huh. But this movie is about how you can't fucking go home again. How Peter Pan is like a he, goddamn man. He goes myth. home again. Yeah, what There's is a it? little kid there. Yeah, it's not his home anymore. It's not his home. Right. And it's his like dad's, a nice home. His dad's dead. He fell down the stairs right. at Grand Central. Right. N- nothing he can do can retroactively fix his childhood. He can't uh, produce another a necklace and say, must have slipped off your neck. Making the thing that made him feel good, mm-hmm. trying to be the man his father wanted to be, doesn't fix things retroactively. And Yes. Okay. Your point is understood. For Hanratty sure. is adulthood. He's maturity. Mm-hmm. And what's the end of the movie? The end of the movie is he finally accepts it. Right. But it is interesting that since then, mm-hmm. he has tried to make, you know, a couple of more old school Spielberg movies, like you say. His failures. Well, but then you could put Tintin in there as well. Tintin's an odd one, but Tintin is also kind of old school Spielberg. When we get to Tintin, I'll explain why I think Tintin's an outlier. Well, I mean... We can talk about Tintin when we get to Tintin. The advantage we'll Tintin get to has Tintin. is it's Tintin, which is the best. Right. We'll get to Tintin. Um, but, you know, so I know what you mean. Like, he tries to make Crystal Skull and uh, uh, BFG in both times. It's and those like, are, like, the later escapes. That's yeah. like him trying to escape and go to the airport when Hanratty's already like, you work for me. You're a grown-up. Own it. You have it's to true. stop running away from this thing. And then he's like, okay, I'll make, I'll make a sci-fi movie. It's about a d- divorced dad. Yeah. Who witnesses 9-11. Yeah. <laughs> and then hides in a basement. Yeah. <laughs> and Tim Robbins is there. Yeah, and also the movie is like he's trying to win over a dad who he could never win over, right? It's a good call. And Hanratty's this fucking father figure for him. Can we... And DiCaprio's the Look, son. Look, we're almost at two hours here, so I'm, can we wrap is, it up? This is my wrap-up. Yeah, no, it's good. Right? It's a good call. Hanratty's a father who doesn't have a child. DiCaprio's a child who doesn't have a father. Right, and then... They're both they're trying to live to in their day. alternate realities. Where his daughter's still young and yeah, Caprio's yeah. dad's no, still great. Yeah, yeah, we get it, we get it. My God. The movie's about Steven Spielberg realizing that he has to fucking, like, put call. away childish things. But, okay, the only problem I have with that is he kind of had done that. Right? Like, yeah, that's why only... it's the movie about him realizing right, you're saying what he, he did. Now ha- because it's like... This isn't the movie that represents the shit. In between Schindler's List and this, the only, like, vaguely childish movie he's made is Lost, Lost World. World, which is not even really a childish I'm movie. I'm saying I think know. this is the movie about... That's fair. ...those that's seven fair. years of him sure. making that transition. Sure. About the DreamWorks years? Yes. About the DreamWorks years. And I, I think, you know, it, it's that uh, escapism is a distraction. Wait, wait. Or is it about the sky... Hey, it's about this. Guy. Hey, Ben, what was Dan Lewis up to right now? I believe, and correct me if I'm wrong, he uh, was a cobbler. Yeah, correct. Great. Uh, next week, of course, we're talking. Not to be confused with the Adam Sandler movie. No, different. And, and next week's episode, of course, is uh, cobbling the cobbler. <laughs> <laughs> One day. One day. You should do that. Yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, escapism <laughs> is a distraction and a lie, and uh, confidence is a currency. Catch me if you can. Sure. In my opinion, after this rewatch, 
one of Spielberg's masterpieces. You think it's one of his? I best? think it's one of his best films. I I could be argued into that. I don't know. I love this movie. It's a great movie. Yeah. You liked it, Ben. This I mean, was a movie I had. I had very few films on DVD. Ah, uh, it was mostly, a fletch for you. I mostly had TV, but this is one I also yeah would rewatch. And I was like super into the scam and the fraud part of this movie. <laughs> well, because you're a little Dennis the Menace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's just I, like a big Dennis the Menace. Oh, I was into all kinds of stuff. So this movie was influential to me. What were you into? Ben's lived a varied life also. Like we are always getting new periods of Ben's life with weird jobs that we never heard of well, before. Well, like the thing me and my friends would do, just yeah. a good example, is we'd steal books from Borders and then return them for money. Oh, yeah, that's a good scam. That's, uh, a, that's a real scam. Yeah, or like, and I did some mail fraud. Like, I was into some shit. Catch, catch me if you been. Am I right? Oh, baby, good. Can, I love it. Can we please? But no. All right. Something. So, David, just oh, quick. Jesus. This is my takeaway. Okay. Hey, yes. sister. Hey, man. Nothing matters, right? Okay. Period. <laughs> Wait, he's starting with nothing matters. I agree. That's <laughs> Here's my, my take. Nothing matters. That's my read on this movie. <laughs> my read on this movie is you have to accept that nothing matters. Okay. Go ahead. No, What's the your system? Has always been rigged. So well, why work hard when you can equally take advantage of the system? Well, right. In America, and again, where we don't have royalties well, and we don't have lineage. I also just like the idea. It's like. That's the currency. That's well, the yeah, legacy. But it's also like halfway through the movie, he says to Tom Hanks, like, I don't want to do it anymore. Just give me a break. Can I, can we just give it a break? I'll just turn myself in and then you won't. Right. And Tom Hanks is like, no, you broke the law. You have to go to jail. But what happens is they give him a break. Because he's good at his thing. It's yeah. his fucking check frauds. And he totally gets off. And Hanks loves him. And like, Hanks loves the him. It's the he's lovable. Oh, I just also forgot quickly, the key thing to the Christmas thing is that that's like the day where the fact that they can't go home strikes yeah, them. Sure. That, that the course. family- Everyone else goes home. Is right. lost. Yes. That they have nowhere to go. Right. And of that's course. the that's the happy, safe place they wish they could return to, but Look, it's time Spiel, to put away such childish Spielberg things. is such a Christmas-obsessed Jew, like so many of them. You know, speaking as a not-Christmas-obsessed Jew, but you're pointing at yourself. Yes, I'm you know, a where, yeah, Jew. Exactly. They, they, the, the Jews who just are, are tapping on the other end of the window being like, it looks warm in there. Merry Ooh. Christmas, motherfucker. Um... Uh, the I, weekend. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to say one last thing. I'm on the other what? side too. I'm like that with Hanukkah. Oh my God. Yeah, Ben loves Hanukkah. I okay. love Hanukkah. He does 16 candles. Uh, I just one sentence. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I this is my favorite DiCaprio performance because it's the one where he's playing all of his cards. He's not holding anything back in terms of I want to be positioned as this or that. And I also think it's a movie about kind of like movie star. It's a, a movie where it needs a movie star to be showing how powerful someone can be in getting you to buy into a fake reality. So it's a movie about acting. He gets to play a lot of different shades. And I think it's his most vulnerable, relatable, charismatic performance. Okay, fine. I'm so weary now that I can't even argue with you. Don, I mean, he's good hot in the take, movie. masterpiece, go on. Yeah, but you just yelled for a long time. A lot of yelling. I'm, I'm an impassioned mm-hmm. young boy. It's Christmas 2002. Okay. Come on. Movie opens big, but number two at the box Number office. two, 48 million for the weekend. Big number. Yeah, I mean it's a, a it's, drama? Like a six, it's like a six day weekend though because yeah. like Christmas Day is like Wednesday or something, so it's like a very long. Weekend. It ends up making like one seventy, one sixty. Uh, its final total was one sixty four domestic, three fifty two worldwide Big. on a fifty two million dollar budget. Big. A lot of money. Okay, number one film has to be Two Towers, right? Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers, which has made two hundred million dollars in two weeks. People like that franchise. Uh huh. Uh huh. Popular. Helm's Deep. Hell's yeah, tree beer though. Uh, Gollum. Oh God, you have no idea how much I loved Gollum. I 
precious. Ah! I just rewatched that and I forgot that he just yells yeah. after yelling my precious. Gollum was my boy. It's fucking great. I looked so much like Gollum in high school <laughs> that I was just happy that like I was like, I'm being represented on oh, screen. Like boy. here's a character that looks like me. Whereas I looked like Samwise Gamgee. Okay. No, I didn't look like You weren't that, that short. No, I wasn't that short. Um, number two. Yeah. Catch me if you can. 48 mil. Okay. Opening Christmas weekend. Uh-huh. Number three is a rom-com. In its second week, it's made $43 million. Two weeks notice? Yes. Like, Jesus. That's all you needed? Yeah, I'm, I'm remembering 2002 pretty vividly. Now, and I remember that was a Christmas era release. Now, okay. the premise of two weeks notice is she's given her two weeks notice. Yep. I did the premise. I made $90 million domestic. That's uh, all you needed back then. You made 93 Yeah. yeah. Jesus. Um, Sandra Bullock, Hugh Grant. Right? Yeah. yeah. Number four is a rom-com. Oh, another that, one. That has made $56 million in three weeks. Okay. And it total makes $94 million. This is a rom-com starring a you know relatively big female actress relatively at the time. Relatively big. Okay. She was big. She was pretty okay. big. Um, but starring, and the love interest in this movie, in retrospect, is fucking unbelievable. <laughs> it's, wow. It's like one of those things where you're like, huh? Okay. Relatively big actress. It's 2002. Yeah, it's been out for three weeks. What number does it end up at? Final gross? 94, I told you. Almost exactly the same as two weeks notice. Yeah. It, they, they opened concurrently, aired, played concurrently, ended the same amount of money. Was this actress mostly known for rom-coms? Mm, she's in a couple more. She was kind of an action star, too. Not even action, but like she made some sort of, sort of thriller slash dramas. I mean, it's not Diaz, right? No. Um, She's hard, sort of hard to categorize because the big clue about her is kind of obvious. Interesting. Well, like, if I gave you the big clue about her, you'd be like, oh, I know who this is. It's not Kate Hudson. No. It's Hillary Swank? No, she's no. like, put it this way. She's yeah. a really famous person. Yeah. But she's not just famous for being an actress. Oh, is it J-Lo? Yes. Okay. Jennifer Lopez. And, and so it's that 2002, made it's Made in Manhattan. Made yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah. And who is her romantic lead in that movie? Ray Fiennes? Ray Fiennes. Yeah. As a like slightly creepy like billionaire or yeah. something. Hey, uh, good, good one, Ben. Good one. Oh, thanks. nice alley oop there. Um, yeah. uh, dude, how come they don't call them com roms and rom coms to let you know how much is a comedy and how much more is a uh, Ben? Romance? We're short on time. Our finest film critic. <laughs> Number five, <laughs> in two weeks has made twenty nine million dollars. We already discussed it extensively on this episode. On this episode, Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York. Dollars. Fun fact about Dan Lewis. Yeah. He was a, a shoemaker in Italy before he was in that movie. Yeah. Some other I, movies. Some crazy. other movies. Yeah. Uh, Drumline. Oh, Nick yeah. Nick Cannon's big uh, yeah. breakout role there. Zoe Saldana's big breakout. Uh, sure, sure. Zoe Saldana's in the next movie we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, young, younger Zoe Saldana. The Terminal. Right? The Terminal. Uh, Wild Thornberry's movies in there. Yeah, not a big grosser, that one. <laughs> it like it, opened uh, at number eight. Right? It made forty million dollars. Beat its budget. Yeah, opening weekend was <laughs> dire on that movie. Though is this week one for it? This is week two. Um, it held a little. Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Fun fact about Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Yeah, the longest of the Harry Potter. Films. Really? Isn't that crazy? That's crazy. <laughs> like Goblet of Fire, which is based on a book that's like three times longer, right. is shorter. Because Chamber of Secrets might be the shortest of the books, right? That I think and the it first is. one. I mean, one or two is the shortest. They all get exponentially that longer. That movie is two hours and forty minutes long. That's insane. I that's mean, just like pause and think about that. That for spider. A second. 
A spider, though. I think it's also the only Harry Potter movie I would never have seen again. I think I only saw it in theaters. It's fine. Yeah. It's, like, arguably a lot better than the first one. I'll say, I think Azkaban's the only Harry Potter movie I've seen more than once. I did a rewatch of, like, most of them, but I think I started with Azkaban. Azkaban rules. Yeah, Azkaban's pretty good. Fucking Uh, rules. Got Hot Chick. Oh. Hot Chick with uh, Robbie Schneider and uh, an unfamous... Uh, Rachel McAdams. And Anna Ferris. Two big breakouts in that movie. Uh, Dying of the Day. The uh, the apex of oh, um, yeah. uh, Pierce like Brosnan. A great one. Yeah. Star Trek Nemesis. The sort of wet fart that ends the Patrick Stewart uh, Star Trek movie. And people thought Tom Hardy wasn't going to happen. That was a shot. It, it, did t- it took him years to happen years. after that. Careers years. are really long, dude. Yeah, they are. Uh, my Big Fat Greek Wedding still lingering. That's insane. What is Big Fat Greek Wedding up to at this point? $222 million. So it has $20 million more to make before it finishes its run. Correct. And it's already been out for nine months at that it's, point? It came out in like April. Never again it's will that happen. It's number 12 at the box office in December. And it came out in April. It's in 951 theaters. That will literally never happen again. Amazingly, even though it lost 22 theaters this week, it gained 90% at the box office. It's a good Christmas movie. I guess so. Everyone was like, back for my big back recording. Another movie that opened this week, uh, Chicago, number 13, 77 theaters. Another movie, The Hours, number 31 in 11 theaters. going hard this week. Another one, The Pianist, number 44 in six theaters. That was... That was focused. That wasn't Miramax, right? Yeah, yeah. but I'm just saying, yeah. like, yes. all the all big Oscar, Oscar players yeah. are released in limited on Christmas Day. Yeah. Which is now, you can't do that. Can I throw out a funny stat? Yeah. I forget who tweeted this, and I am sorry if you're listening a credit, because it's probably someone we know in film Twitter. Uh, someone did the math on, like, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which opened in five theaters and ended up doing $240 million. Mm-hmm. And then Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 opened to like $15 million. Yeah. And they were like, if Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 has the same opening weekend multiple as Big Fat Greek Wedding 1, it will make $5.6 billion. <laughs> like they did the actual yeah, math. No, and good. it was an insane number. Um, well, that has been Catch Me If You Can. Catch If Can. Pod Me If You Cast. Pod If Cast. And as I tweeted out last night, rewatch if you can, because this movie's a winner. It is. One of my top Spielbergs. Uh, I love it. I, w- I was... Really blown away by uh, how much it grew for me this time. And I'll say, I got even a little teary-eyed by the ending. The final sure. shot of the two of them just accepting this is their world. I, I, this is their relationship This now. is This is not a movie that makes me choke up, but it is a very nice movie that, yeah, makes me think. I was surprised it made me choke up because it doesn't feel uh, emotionally um, sort of aggressive in the way Spielberg can be when he wants to be. No, I, I agree. Yeah. I, I was uh, choked up by the understated sadness. Do you get choked ending. up at the terminal? No, I don't. We'll find out on next week's Blank Check with Griffin and Dave. Buy your ticket to Krakosia now because we're... Get ready for the, like, most people of color in a Spielberg movie that isn't about slavery ever. Yeah, and guess (laughs) what? They mostly play sanitation workers. (laughs) They mostly play working class airport employees. Yeah. Um, But yeah, bring a cell phone charger because we're going to be stuck at the airport for a while. He built an airport. What if we decided that our For terminal that episode had to be as long as the time he was stuck in the terminal? How long is that? It's like a, a couple months. I yeah, think. probably not. Should right? we record at JFK? Yes, one hundred percent. That's an airport. Yeah, noise. we'll do it. Uh, <laughs> we'll do it on location. Uh, thank you all for listening. Please remember to rate, review, subscribe. Um, uh, Check uh, us out on Reddit. Yeah. Backslash our black backslash blankies. Yeah. True. Do it. Uh, blank slash Reddit. Um, and uh, as always, uh, I don't know if you guys know this, 
but uh, uh, Dan Lewis uh-huh. went to Ireland to become a cobbler. I, I, Italy. It Italy. Oh, really? I heard it was Ireland. <laughs> This has been a UCB Comedy production. Check out our other shows on the UCB Comedy Podcast Network. 